Okay, riders, random start. Riders ready, watch the gate. The 96 Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the 96 Podcast. Today's a very special episode where we're joined by the King of Coaches, Mr. Alan Milway. First of all, I just want to thank our episode sponsors, Schwalbe Tires. I've been with Schwalbe Tires now for over 15 years and can safely say I wouldn't ever use anything else. If you want grip, reliability, lightweight, longevity and puncture resistance, there's no other option but Schwalbe Tires. Check them out now at your local bike shop and just demand Schwalbe for your ride. Let's do it. We're on. Okay, hey everybody, my name is Scott Beaumont and welcome to the 96 Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with the coach to the stars, Mr. Alan Milway. World champions, World Cup champions, European champions, national champions have all come through his coaching. Whilst we always see the elation celebration on the camera in the finish line, Alan is the man getting those athletes ready for their performance. Let's find out more about the journey he's taken. Welcome to the show, Mr. Alan Milway. Hey Scott, how are you? I'm good. How are you? More importantly. Yeah, not bad. Not bad, thank you. Nice what's up, what's happening in, in the Milway life at the moment? I I've just sort of touched back down after a really busy, really busy August. So back-to-back races, school summer holidays. I think my wife told me the other day that we had a six-week school summer holiday and I was away for four of them. So yeah, you know the you know the score there for sure. It's been busy, but nice to be home now. Good stuff. Um, so we start our podcast off with the same question every time. I probably should have prepped you for this one. Um, <laughs> just give you a little bit of thought. But um, I find this question fascinating because no one's answered it in a way that everyone would assume so far. Yeah. What's your greatest achievement? Oh, crikey. God, you put me on the spot straight away. Straight in. We don't mess around. So my greatest achievement, I think, is the fact that I've been able to support my family and earn a living by doing something I absolutely love. And I don't think I consider it work. Don't get me wrong, I think I work very hard. But I think if I was to, like, it's something that I'm trying to instill in my daughters, the fact that if you love something, you're passionate about it and you work hard you can do anything. And I know that's a bit of a, I think some people think that's a bit of a pie in the sky idea, but ever since I was 13, 14, I just wanted to be involved with bikes. So to actually be doing that full time, I, I think that's a, I'm pretty happy with that. We'll take that. Yeah. That's a good answer, it's a great answer. Um, so we're gonna take you right back to the start. We wanna get everyone's life stories and, and see what uh, what made them tick and how we got to this point. Um, so where were you born? Uh, what was life like when you were young? And were bikes any part of your childhood at all? Oh, you're going in deep. Well, it's yeah. going to go deeper. Yeah. We, we, no, we this is, deep, mate, we go this is really good. This is great. <laughs> so I was born in Bath, mm-hmm. but my dad was in the army. So my dad basically moved us around everywhere. So okay. I lived in Germany. I lived in Germany before the Berlin Wall came down. Oh, wow. So I was out there for a few years, came back, lived in London. Uh, his car was blown up by the IRA in the barracks down in London. We moved again. So I was packed off to boarding school. I so feel like we've got a podcast on your childhood. There's a lot. On its own. So there's a lot going on. Some of this. There's Unreal. a lot going on. So me and my brother were packed off to boarding school and I'm really conflicted on that. It's probably another podcast in that. Absolutely. Um, we can do a counselling session if you want. I mean, we can talk Maybe we should get into that, yeah. <laughs> but I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And also really conflicting on us. I would never send my kids to school. The thought of when I took my daughter when she was seven to school and I walked home, I was yeah. like, 
Jeez, yeah, yeah. I was dumped for three weeks. It's emotional. That's heavy. That it was is. heavy. So, but the reason I'm saying that is from quite an early age, I was pretty independent. Um, we moved all over. I went to school in Sussex. Um, I went to school uh, the other side of Godalming. So I never really had one central place. And the one thing that got me out of bed every morning was sport. Okay, so brilliant. I, w- I went to... When you go to these private schools, they're either really rich people or military people who go there. Yeah. So if I, me and my brother, I can't compete. I live in a semi-detached army house. I don't have a swimming pool. I don't have a golf course on my house. You know what I mean? <laughs> these guys, you can't compete with it. Sure. I wasn't the most intelligent guy, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to be faster at running than you. I'm going to be better at football than you. Love it. I'm going to have my way of having my sort of place in this school. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because me and my brother were the same. Like, I was captain of the sports teams. I won all the events in sports day. But that was my drive. I was like, I've got to be, yeah. I've got to have well, there's something. A, there's a pecking order. It's exactly. Like, I go to private school, but it seems yeah. to be a pecking order. You know, you've got to find your place in yeah. that. In that and I can't compete with the latest trainers or the latest, like, I didn't have a Game Boy, but everyone had a Game Boy and a Sega, Game whatever those Sega <laughs> things were. Yeah, it was all of that. So that that was my way and sport was my thing. Yeah. So bikes didn't come into it at all. Okay. It was for me, it was football, it was cricket, yeah. it was athletics. Okay. And I got to good standards at those sports. And then when I went to my secondary school, um, long story short, and it's really ironic, I was having real bad knee pain. Okay. So I was a fast... From the football, from the running. Exactly. The I was a fast bowler, it was causing me problems. I was kicking football, it was causing me problems. I was running on it, cross country, it was causing me problems. And I went to osteopath, doctor... And I remember him saying, he basically said, and it was in a way awful advice, but in a way the best advice ever. He said, you need to stop running and jumping and kicking. Yeah, what makes it hurt? You should probably stop you doing that. You should stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. You need to choose yeah. swimming or cycling. Right. And I'll tell you the funniest thing, and it's one of the most minor things, and it an, shows how weak your ego is at this age. I was probably 13, mm-hmm. 14. And we had a swimming pool at school and I had to swim every week. Party P, you had to swim. And you had to wear the tiniest little Speedos. Yeah, yeah. And we all hated it. Yeah. And none of the boys wanted to rock around in these little Speedos. We didn't want to swim. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Why would I want to do more swimming? Sure. I was like, right, bikes it is. Okay. And I rode a bike. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I yeah. had a bike. We I rode did. a bike. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was never really passionate about it. And I went out and I bought MBI magazine. <laughs> Mountain Bike International. Mountain Bike International. Chris Porter. Chris Porter. Yeah. Shows our age now. <laughs> I went out and bought that. I saw a photo of Nico Vulios on an LTS in a tuck position. Uh, a cap die probably. I, I remember like, the photo. Yeah. I'm sure I remember it. This is me. This is yeah. all I want to do. So I remember saying to my dad, I was like, I really want to race mountain bikes. And I could tell you, he, he didn't care. He wasn't bothered at all. And it's quite, again, it's quite a depressing thing fast forward a little bit got my first bike and um i'm going to circle back in it because it involves you believe it or not oh wow here we go so i got my first bike and my first race was at longmore army camp yes Paul hunt yes turned up headlands turned up at the race we stopped off at petrol station on the way my dad bought the sunday telegraph right he stayed in the car yeah <laughs> he read the paper he was like see you later and i just was like didn't know what i was doing i didn't know a single person and but I loved it. I was okay. mid-pack. Dave Hemming came past on a Tioga disc drive wheel. And I... I, the, I bet he talked to you. Oh. It, <laughs> so it was like low me. Yes. The track developed. I was like, this is amazing. 
But I had no, like I had nowhere to start. Do you know what year that was? Yeah, it would have been, so that would have been 96. I, I reckon that was my first ever race as well. You're joking. At Longmore Army Camp. Well, I was in, so I was I'm a not junior. Joking. This is crazy. And yeah, I, so I, I was doing well in BMX at the time and Kona offered me that deal, um, took the bike and we were like, we better go and do a race. And that was on and it was flat. And I was like, is it. this downhill? That's I, it. I had no idea what that's I was going it. to. It was just like, they wanted BMXers, went to Longmore Army Camp. And well, that was 96. We'll do a few races that year, I don't know, but how ironic, that's crazy. And do you want to know something funny? That segues beautifully to what I was going to circle back on. My local spot, I lived at the very top of like between Aldershot and Farnham and we had Caesars Camp. Mm-hmm. Literally, I was at the very top of this lane and I could just, within 15 seconds, I was in Longmore Army Camp. Yeah. Fast forward maybe a year, maybe two. So say 97, I used to go up there all the time. And I remember I pushed up this big steep bank and it was all rocky, like these pebbly stones. And I pushed up to this big steep bank and there was a photographer there two riders <laughs> and it was Steve Bear right and it was you on a Kona no and way. Tracy Mosley no way yeah and I remember Crazy. just thinking like whoa wow and and then obviously I sit I'd wait and see the the magazine MBUK comes out at the end of the month or whatever I was there did. I saw it I was like no way that's hilarious yeah and very slowly through school friends I like at school a good friend of mine Harry was into his bikes and then there's another lad called Reese. And we used to, like, just connect. Okay. You know, you just connected through stickers on your folder. Yeah, sure. Oh, you're into that, you're into that. And then yeah. you start riding, and, and it was a slow process. And I was really lucky because, like, my friends became my traveling race family. And we went right. to all the races, and yeah. um, I just progressed up through the ranks doing all of those regional races and nationals. Yeah, Sam's. That's it. Uh, Sam's and I pedal hounds and I remember Pensers, doing a Nam's race. Well, and yeah, yeah. I, I was doing loads of travelling about and absolutely loved it. And I, I think I got myself with zero support and familial sort of like shoving. I, I did all right. But yeah. when I got to university, that was when I got, I actually made it into elite. So I was right. an elite level downhiller. Yeah. But there was such a gulf between me and the top boys. And I remember Will Longdon was starting a race behind me and he was in all his, like, I think he's pretty Rocky Mountain back then or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, I've got no framework to, like, train or skills development or someone pushing me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to think, right, how can I potentially create this framework to help someone else? Even at an early age, with no template for this, you've gone... Yeah. We can be better here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was yeah. definitely it. And I knew that it was such an area when I was studying my degree, there was everything was about endurance cycling. Mm-hmm. So back then, 2000, it was all about carbohydrate intake sure. for improved aerobic performance. Right. That was the long and the short sports yeah. science back then. And I was thinking, there's more to this. My event doesn't involve God, that. That'd be nice if it was that simple nowadays. I know. I like that. It's fascinating. Eat some of this, go long. Yeah. And, and these tests that they made <laughs> us do would be like to failure. Sure. And I was like, well, hang on a second. When have you ever done a sporting event that's to failure? To failure. There's like the Barclay Marathons, if you ever heard of them, which is this crazy ultra marathon race and they don't tell you when the finish is. Oh, really? And that's no, like I a real bizarre, no, yeah, it's a real yeah, quirky yeah. thing. But in it's not for everyone. No. But in any event, you know where the start is, you know where the finish is, and yeah. you just give it your all. And I remember I was comparing the demands of mountain biking, my downhill mountain biking, to what I was reading in the textbooks. Or, yeah. You know what? This is a bit like a 1500 meter race. You know what? This sure. is a bit like 
a time trial. You know what? And I was trying to work out how do they get better? Yes. And therefore, maybe how can I help other downhillers get better? So you were thinking about helping others, not just yourself at this point? Yeah, because I realised that I didn't have all the other pieces of the puzzle. Like, I was looking at it, I think, quite early on, I was looking at it almost like a big a big pie and you've got these different segments mm. and I realised that the segment I was missing was that raw skills development stuff yeah. I didn't have that because say you and me were to go riding 20 years ago and you go and do a big gap up at Kimber I'd be like well I can't do that but maybe if Scott toes me in I could do that and maybe sure. if I ask Scott to come out on a Tuesday after school yeah. he'll be keen yeah. and I would have done that but there wasn't really that ability to go you know what I've got me your ability f- wasn't there to go and tow someone else yeah exactly that, that that's the problem yeah. and we were all at a similar level and me and my friends were at a good level but we needed that like Brendan funnily enough so Brendan and Ollie Wilkins mm-hmm. and some of those boys were part of a different crew but mm-hmm. from a very similar area Okay. so Godalming was next to Milford and yeah. Milford's where they've got the S4P bike park yes, and we used to yes. go up to um, Wisley Dirt Jump Trail Wisley, yeah. and I've so got famous. again I got pretty good in the dirt jumps. I could get through Wisley. Yes. You know, so I was like, you know what? If I can get through Wisley, I'm doing all right in the yeah, dirt yeah, jump. Yeah, but that was never, I felt as though that wasn't my problem. It was off camber roots or rocks. And I was like, you know <laughs> sure. what? I, where, where am I riding this? And because I didn't have that background or baseline, I was like, you know what? I can improve. I can get fitter. I can get stronger. These are almost easy things. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at any of my performances, I won at Longmore, for example. Right. I won a race at Longmore. I just pedal flat yeah, out yeah, yeah. and I beat yeah. everyone. And I was like, you know what? I'm not bad at this, but if you put me on um, a super technical track up in the rocks of Yorkshire, yeah. everyone pulled my pants down. And I was yes. like, Phew. But it was that exposure. And I think I've still it's, got... This is hilarious because I did the same. I went to Longmore Army Camp, yeah. did that race... I don't even remember. It's, it's all, I've had too many bangs on my yeah. head since then. But did okay. Got the burger, obviously. Obviously, I had this pro contract already. And I was mm. literally just trying to find out what the hell's mountain bike. Yeah, I've yeah. got money coming in here. I yeah, need yeah. to do this. Yeah. And then we went to um, to Yorkshire to this great... Um, Paley Bridge. Tell me it was Paley Bridge. It wasn't Bridge. Paley Bridge. It was in this like rock gully. Yeah. Um, steep it. God, I can't remember the name of it. Anyone listening, yeah. Yeah, answers, yeah, answers yeah. below. You got you, you fill me in here. Um, it'll come to me through this podcast somewhere. But it was just rocks, yeah, rocks. And I remember riding down that track, and I'd feet off, and I was almost like doing trials to get down it. Yeah. And I saw Steve Pete come down this rock section, and I'm, I mean, this, these rocks were going to World Cup today. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was just yeah. like a riverbed yeah. of rocks, and um, I, I just couldn't believe what I've seen. Absolutely mind blown. I was like, we've got so far to go here. Like, exactly that. I went from Longmore, like I thought yeah, yeah. it was downhill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it went to an actual downhill and the same the That's same it. sort of slap in the face yeah. came along. Yeah, and I think Jason Carpenter, like huge credit to him Ooh, because yeah. he sort of brought downhill. He took it by the, I felt as though he took he it by the scruff of the neck. And yeah. I was like, you know what? This is not preparing anyone for international races no. and World Cups because they're racing at Nevergal that's Caprun that's five, six, seven minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. So he made these tracks and that's when I started to like, the tracks almost by their nature made you improve. Sure. So we'd turn up and we'd self-uplift or push up and do the bottom half of uh, Mountain Ash. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, well, I've got to find a way through this. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there is a way through and that's yeah. how you sort of gradually improved your your skills. But at that point when I came... By this point, I couldn't see a career path. 
Okay. And I think back then it was like to be a professional mountain bike racer was just like pie in the sky. Like sure. no one was yeah, yeah. making a living doing it. You know, yeah. it was it like Warner, PT, Longdon, yourself. Yeah. There was a few, Tracy, there was yeah. a few people, but it was everyone like, it was else. A handful, wasn't it? Yeah, a yeah. handful. Yeah, yeah. And so I never considered being a pro rider was an option. And I never considered being involved in mountain biking as an option. Okay. So I was just doing it out of interest. Cool. So, yeah. okay. So uh, we'll just keep this going now. So yeah. when did that become an option? Do you remember, the, was there a specific time you like, I can make a living out of this? Yeah, it was a funny one. And, it, and I've, I, again, credit where it's due, it's, it's all down to Paul Hunt, really, strangely, okay. from the pedal hounds. Because I was at university studying and my fascination was in improving performance on performance yeah and i remember having this conversation with paul and basically was like there's you know it's a shame because i don't know what to do after university i've got no idea what to do after uni just to interrupt what was your university uh, degree i did a it was a joint honors sports science and material science okay so there was sort of engineering and the uh like development of bicycles and parts and sure. aerospace and you know motorsport anything to make a difference anything to make a difference exactly about. that okay that was it sorry i interrupted so no, paul, no. yeah paul so i remember meeting up with paul and i don't know whether he'd come up for a bike show or what but i i, I knew i'd known paul for obviously a good few years and paul said look Alan, motocross junior youth development motocross need people like you because okay. all they do is they spend three grand on an engine rebuild and suspension yes, yes. To make them go faster, sure. but they're unfit, they're not strong enough, and all the rest of it. So, I was, I was like, fine, perfect. Literally that day, I took out an advert in Charles and Motocross News TMX. in the newspaper, straight to TMX. Okay. And from that, I had got some training plans, and from that, I got in touch with Dirt Bike Rider and said I'd like to write some articles because Arm Pump was this like oh, mystical yeah. thing that people yes. talked about, and it really bugged me because it was, it's a, it it's a physiological sort of manifestation. It's, it's muscle fatigue. Mm-hmm. But what causes it is quite interesting because it's like multifaceted. You know, if you get tense and you get nervous and you grip something super tight, you, you know, you're sort of over overworking. But I wanted to try and break this down. So I wrote an article for Dirt Bike Rider and literally off the back of that, Roy Emerson, for, he was running Emerson Yamaha. Emerson Yamaha. He got in touch. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Taking you back. Yeah, I was yeah. Start coming out now. So he got in touch, and that's when Brad Anderson was on the one two five at the top of his game, and I started working with Brad. And then there was one point, I think, in about two thousand and four, two thousand five. I was probably working with six or seven of the top ten. Okay. So that Brilliant. was my thing, and I was I doing it. a lot of that. And alongside that, because that wasn't paying enough. Yes, I was gonna. I don't yeah. want to keep interrupting. No, there. No. there are so many questions. How much did you charge? Oh, don't tell us how much. How did you decide how much to charge? Oh, this you, is like a, this is again you know the really in the funny. sky. So it's like you pick a number out of the air here. Like, what do I charge for this I service? I think I charged someone fifty quid, and I drove to his house, and he was in Kent. Oh wow! It it, it wouldn't so be charging fifty quid. It cost you hundred. Exactly. It was just, but that wasn't the point. The point was I wanted to get in front of somebody. Yeah to see whether they buy into it, see whether it would help them. Yeah. And it was a real gradual process because again, I still don't know. Well, there's no template. There's what, no template. What's the, what's the, what's the, the yeah. fee for this? Yeah. And I remember as we went on, my wife having a massive go at me because I was like, I remember <laughs> saying to her, did you, because I, I nearly took a job at David Lloyd. Right. In Bronchgrove. Yeah, yeah. And they were paying like four, I think uh, clients were paying 40 quid an hour for their PT yeah. session years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I wasn't charging that. And no. Sue was like, why aren't you charging? You know, you're a specialist in what you do. People aren't going to the David Lloyd guy. You're not John at the gym who can just show us the yeah, bench you, press. You're yeah. actually doing some so specific It was really here. interesting. Yeah. And that sort of reframed what I thought because I, I'm not, I don't, I often say to people, I don't do this to earn like for the money. I do it because it's it's how I want to earn a living. I think if I wanted to earn lots of money, I'd go into finance or I'd be a lawyer. Yeah, I was exactly. really interested in that. I, I studied law and I was really interested at yeah. college about that side of it. But the stories of the stress and the hours and the lack of real job satisfaction, I was like, oh, you know what? I want to do something I love. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the 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 funny chain of events is I was really embedded in motocross, UK motocross. Yeah. But I didn't, really love it because of the interpersonal relationships sure motocross is a different world yeah yeah if i'm in the paddock i was invited to one guy's motorhome for dinner with mm. him and his girlfriend came out well, someone else you're in trouble then whoa 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 what what have doing with us bloody hell is it, it your favorite is it it was a real minefield <laughs> and everyone had motocross. a story about him and everyone had a story about her sure. and his girlfriend used to be his girlfriend and well, it's, I, a, it's the drama before Gates even drops in motocross. There was which a lot. Is great. It's great. Yeah. It's what it is. But um, it's so. But when you're different. trying to do a job there and trying to actually affect performance, yeah. the amount of outside pressure and stuff going on before the Gates even dropped on there Sunday was a lot is of that. insane. There was a lot of that. Yeah. And what was interesting was I, as that was going on, I started to write monthly articles for Dirt Bike Rider. Right. And I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. And I got this really polite email that I've still got somewhere from this guy called G. Afferton. Never heard of him. I think he's got some potential. Okay. And he got in touch with me in 2005. You should work with him. You can mold him into something decent. 2005, he sent me this email. Okay. Can you help me prepare for 2000... I hope I got my dates right. 2006 World Champs. Yeah, he did all right there as well. Yeah. And he got bronze. First year elite <laughs> uh, for William. Yeah. So... We sort of did it remotely. He okay. had Red Bull supporting him. He had a guy at Red Bull who was doing a lot of the work for him. He was going to America, but he didn't feel as though he had any of that nitty gritty, proper structure, do this for this amount of time, rest for that amount of time and carry on. Here's a spreadsheet, yeah. follow this. So I was pretty much a physiologist and I'm pretty much gone, just do that. Yeah. And it was very basic based on his training history because he didn't really have a training history. Yeah. So I did something very basic and um, yeah, pay dividends. and. It was it made a difference. Yeah, it, yeah, and he felt it made a difference. And I remember meeting him at the truck because I'm, I'd known Rachel mm -hmm. because in amongst all of the coaching and I used to teach PE part-time, Yeah, I ran a holiday company. So I used to go out to Moors Inn and we rent out chalets in okay. the summer. Right. And then that turned to be summer and winter. Yeah, yeah. So you can see I had all these different strings and yeah. I'd got to know Rachel through that. And then when I got to know G... She had no idea who I was because we'd done it all on the phone. Yeah, that's great. That's, like, who the that's, hell are you? That's exactly how And it was brilliant yeah. because yeah. I remember him taking me for a tour of the motorhome. And Rach, and all of a sudden you see the penny drop in his eye. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're Alan. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, bloody hell. Oh, I thought you were just a sponsor or this, that and the other. And I was <laughs> like, no, no. And, and that really sort of started that. And it was a very gradual process. But as we went on, I moved from motocross into mountain biking more and more. Yeah. And and now I still work motocross riders. You do? I still yeah, work I was going to ask. Yeah. Todd Kellett, who, who does all the beach race yeah. stuff, and um, Jamie Carpenter, and and um, some Enduro boys. Yeah. And I still do that and have a passion for it. Yeah. But I very much found my home with mountain biking. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it was really like the personalities 
the lifestyle, the, the sort of uh, the, how events were that attracted you to mountain biking. Once you got in with G and you saw it around, it's like, oh, I like some of this. We could do some more in here. It was almost the fact that I thought, you know what? You're back home again. I'm back You've home. Gone full circle, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. this was very early. And, and please understand that when you're... It's not like G's gone here, have thousands of pounds to no, come sure. and coach me. We're talking about piecemeal stuff just yeah, to absolutely. get my foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just making something of it. So I was teaching P alongside that yeah. at, at a private school. Yeah. And I was traveling to do the holiday company. And at one point, I thought that's where I was going to end up because we grew that business. It was yeah. 50 beds a week we had right, at one okay. point. It was quite wow. a big thing. And I realized that, again, it... I like the coaching. That's sure. where I see the, you know, that's, that's where I see me. Yeah, yeah. So I moved back to the UK and then I started to just gradually improve it. And it was in Leger mm-hmm. that I met this very polite, very shy little boy called Danny Hart. Never heard of him either. So you can see how everything is just yeah, yeah, interwoven. Yeah. And I meet Danny and I meet his dad. Yeah. And he wants me to take him under his, like, my wing a little bit. Yeah. To just guide him. Okay. And this was probably in 07, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Dan used to come out and stay with me in Morzine. Got it. In the winter. Yeah. I, you know, we, we, and then I, Giant would bring me to the races. Lapierre bring me to the races. Yeah. Almost as like a chaperone as well as a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that just grew and grew. Okay. And then 2011 happened and, you know. So before we get too far ahead of us, uh, ourselves here, um, so you've, you've started working with G. You've got into mountain biking World Cup level. Yeah. Um, can you remember your first World Cup win where this we made a difference? Or the first? Let me yeah, make it easier. yeah, I you can. can. Okay, go I for can. it. Go for it. I, I think where I really felt as though I'd started to make a difference was actually with Tracy Mosley. Okay. And it was probably in about oh nine. She was on Trek. Yeah. And I think. Again, you know how memories are. Absolutely. I think it was Labress. And I oh, and yeah. she was very... I think she got a third, second, third, something okay. like that. And I remember thinking, hey, you know what? I've had a part of that. Yes. I didn't know how big a part it I really had. It really landed on you. Like that, yeah. That, that I helped. Was, yes. Like, you know you're there as support. Like, mm-hmm. I'm only ever going to be support to someone. Yeah, yeah. And that's my job. And I, I, I thrive on that. It, they're the ones that I have to assume... They could do the job without me. And if I could polish them a little bit more to be a bit better, sure. then at that level, it makes a difference yeah, yeah. because the percentages are so small. Absolutely. So I felt as though I'd had some form of input yeah. that helped her. And that was really rewarding. Okay. So yeah. That was, that, was that was a moment. That was a moment. It sunk in. Yeah. So, so your business is growing. How did you have a maximum number of athletes in mind at this point of how many you wanted to take on or were, were people just coming to you, Danny Hart, Tracy, Appertons. Did people just come to you or were you like, I need to cap this at I can only spend myself yeah. this bin or it's a really interesting thing because back then they like I, I think people have never thought that it was something to really spend money on. And I was almost doing it as a favour for years. I, I would never have made any money out no, of sure. it. No, sure. That's why all, I keep saying a hundred, yeah. two hundred quid. It was just some money. It was fans, just but. it was almost for me to go, you know what? I if I can help these people and they can get better in yeah. the long game yes it might pay off absolutely because it was more advantageous for me to be aligned with these people than go hey i need this much money and they're like well we haven't got that see you later yeah i wanted to prove concept and i think that some people when i see 
coaches that are coming in or people, I get so many messages. I want to watch you coach for a day or can I oh, come I and see you? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, sure. Can you come and do this? And I and they're like, I just want to work at mountain bike riders. I'm like, well, do you really want to work at mountain bike riders? Because a lot of people still want to make money. And that's not, don't get me wrong, we all need to make money. Yeah. But for years, I would drive for hours to be in the room with someone, to coach them, to go, thank you very much, I'll go home. Yeah, yeah. Just to, to show them my value. And yes, I, yeah. I do think that the groundwork you have to in, put in yeah. groundwork as opposed yeah. to, you know, I know some people and they're like, right, it's 60 pound an hour and they try and bring someone in and the hour starts on the first minute and yeah. it ends on the last minute yeah, yeah. and the, the poor pro rider's been stuck in traffic so he's 10 minutes late and then... <laughs> they're always 10 minutes late. Yeah, <laughs> and then they're like, well, your hour's up now. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure whether that builds a relationship no. and I'm not sure whether that, you know, that helps you cement yourself as someone who... Someone said it really well in a conference once. They said you need to make yourself indispensable. No, oh, sure. And I think yeah, that yeah. was the way I've always tried to look at it because let's be honest, it's September. Mm-hmm. My contracts finish at the end of October. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Everyone might turn around and say, don't like you, don't didn't want help, you see yeah. you later. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I live on that cycle. Yeah. So every Same. day I turn up to work, I would never dream of taking advantage of that situation. Fantastic. And I'd like to think that I'm never grazing on my phone and I'm never thinking about something else. Yeah, yeah. Because when I'm in that room... yeah. All that matters is the person that that's person. there. Yeah. But it's taken a while because a lot of it was remote. A lot of it was printing out training plans. Oh, and sending yeah. So, yeah. That's how it yeah. used to be. There yeah, was yeah. no Zoom. There was no anything exactly. going on. No. Exactly. Um, you touched on uh, Danny Hart, 2011. Yeah. I assume at that point, that was probably one of your biggest moments. Um, yeah, massively. Yeah. Because it, it's such a standout moment within mountain biking anyway. Mm. Uh, the fact that you had him prepped and ready to... And, and he did the work and he was is a phenomenal athlete and everything else as well. But something on that day must have, I bet, you, uh, let me put it this way. I bet your phone rang off the hook the next week or two asking for you to work with X, Y, and Z. That was the turning point where I felt as though my phone started to ring yeah. that next year. And what I was most proud of, and it was really interesting because it might sound a bit odd why I'm most proud of this part. That year... Um, I was working very closely with the team. So Giant were brilliant. I was involved with a lot of the planning mm-hmm. and I was sent the spreadsheets for the year. These are the travel arrangements. This is where we need Danny and all the rest of it. And Were you just working with Danny or the whole Giant team? At that point, just Danny. Just Danny, okay. Yeah. After that, I started working with Needles. Needles, but yeah. That, at that point, it was just Danny. And the funny thing was at the start of the year, I remember seeing this spreadsheet and Danny was off here and he was off there and he was doing this and he was doing that. And I was plotting it. And he'd gone to South Africa for a race. And I th- I think it was South Africa start of the year yeah. or one of the other races. And he performed really badly. Okay. And I knew why he performed really badly because he, he'd been on the road for six weeks. Mm-hmm. It was the sixth week. Okay. Okay. It was the sixth week and he had that, this big race and he didn't do very well. And I knew that was coming because of the conversations we'd had. And you could tell that he was a bit fed up of being on the road and... He's only, he's a kid. He's just, he just a puff at that Really point. young. Like. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, you know, you note it, you bank it, you put it down, and then we carry on with the season. And um, you you look forward and you're like, whoa, 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 guys, guys, you've just put in this two-week block in America for mm-hmm. Danny. Yeah. World Champs is going to be week six. Yeah. He can't do this. We've seen what happens in week six. Yeah. He will not perform. Okay. You must take out this commitment. I can't remember if it was a race. 
I can't remember he'd gone to America and then had to do like a race US Open kind of thing. Not a World there. Cup, but yeah. something. You need to skip this. And I remember putting, like, as much as I could, saying, look, I really don't think this is a good idea. Okay. And then Giant obviously pushed back. Sure. And Paul Hart, Danny's dad, backed me. I was going to say, he'll have pushed back as well. Yeah. <laughs> because if Danny, like, Danny's dad was so passionate and is so passionate Absol- that he was like, most. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I mean. He would have pushed back on and he was good because what he, he he trusted me to a degree and was like, look, if Alan says it's too much, it's too much. It's probably your first situation where you're really going up against someone, butting heads. Yeah, and, and this is for the first giant. for the first time you've got some back someone going, no, Alan's right here. Yeah, and I felt a ton of pressure because I thought I've put my neck on the chopping block here. I've told this huge company giant, and it, I I think Fox are involved with the. They were. They, Fox. Yeah, because it was a big Fox yeah. branded And Fox team, wanted yes. him yeah, for yeah. an event or something. And I basically said no. So I basically said to the sponsor, you can't have the athlete. Okay. And I remember making this, basically stating my case and saying from a performance point of view, it's bad. And so when that result comes about, yeah. you, you just have this satisfaction that, look, if I did nothing else, yeah, yeah. I at least meant that he turned up on the day motivated, fresh and good to go. Yeah. But the biggest irony of that was... Um, there was, I, I don't know if you remember, but the weather was awful. We had really good weather all week and then the <laughs> yeah, weather yeah. went bad. Yeah, yeah. And my, they delayed the racing. They did. And I was booked on a flight out of Geneva with the cross-country racer who'd raced the day before. Okay. So it's changed now, but the cross-country racer had done his racing. Yeah. He was flying back to America. We were booked on the same flight, same hire car. Off we go. I said, guys, it means I'm going to miss the downhill race. Yeah, yeah. And they said, yeah. But right. your job's done. So I remember I stayed to the very last minute, got him warmed up at the bottom, got everything set, had all the timings laid out. And then he went to the top of the hill with Oscar and off they go to the top. And I literally jump in the hire car to try and make my flight. No way. Yeah. And we're three quarters of the way down there coming past Lake Geneva. And I'll never forget. And like uh, Lockie, um, this Australian lad, he was like, he got the phone call. Yeah. He's bloody won it. He's won it. And I was just like gobsmacked. And we turned up to the car hire place and the guy was like, oh, have you had a good day? And Lockie was like, about the best day. had the best day. Yeah. Just, boys just won on chat. <laughs> and then I, and I got, and then Danny phoned me, I think I had a layover at Munich or something. And sure. I, I had a f- good phone call with him yeah. and it was lovely. And I remember getting back into bed like one in the morning. Yeah. And my wife going, well done. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was it. And, and then... Two weeks later, I got a speeding fine for that trip. I was like, you little buggers. <laughs> right, kicking the fans. Just hand that on to Danny. Yeah. Just give that to Danny. He can take it from his bonus. <laughs> no. no problem. I know. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah. What did you think when you watched his performance back? Obviously, the video went, I mean, as viral as things went yeah. back then. But, I mean, you saw it, like, fairly soon afterwards, I'm sure. It was just, the, the thing that was just amazing to watch was it, he just rode as if he could have done that 20 times. He rode as you knew he could, and he finally performed. Yeah, and, and that's what was really exciting. And what's really interesting is I've given, um, I've done quite a lot in academia, like working with MSc students and degree level students. And I often talk about uh, understanding performance and understanding the demands of performance. Mm-hmm. And one of the most interesting graphs I've got is from a practice run of Danny's. And I, I anonymize it and I put it on the screen and I said, tell me what you see. And they can't get their heads around it because you've got altitude. Yeah. Okay. And altitude literally falls off a cliff. Yeah. So he's at the top of Champry, altitude 
graph just drops like a stone. It does, yeah. yeah. And then you've got heart rate yeah. that starts relatively high yeah. and goes up to 200 beats a minute and stays there. Yeah. And they're like, what is this guy doing? I say, he's not put pedal stroke in. No. This is like, he's got anticipation. He's at like 150, 160 sure. before he's even got out of the game. Yeah. And then he's at 203, 205 beats a minute for the entire run. Wow. And so in terms of like the demand on the body is yeah. huge and to maintain concentration and then not to let the pressure tighten you up. You yeah. know, like we said with arm pump. Yeah. You, it's in anything. You ride tight, you do these 50 pence piece corners, you break in the corner. You don't look through the corner, all those basic things. And I just felt that when you watch that, you're like, he, he didn't let the situation get to him. He no, had, no, probably had zero he had, expectations. He had fun. And he had fun he with it. He looked like he had fun with yeah, it. Yeah. He was just so relaxed. And did you know that, I don't know if you, there's a very famous photo where he whips the bike sideways. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So he'd been whipping the bike sideways all week. Yes. He does it in his race run. Yeah. And I was like, why the hell would you do that? He goes, because I've done it every run. Apparently... I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. He was around high top 510s. Right. They sold, literally, Europe's stock of 510s disappeared from that sideways. photo. Sideways on, Danny Hunter's <laughs> photo. And he got a box of these 510s for a couple of weeks later and they were white and they had the rainbow stripes on them. Sure. And yeah. he was like, yeah, they've said thank you because they literally, <laughs> that, that picture just sold them all out. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's some of your highs. Um, we'll come on to a little bit more um, uh, of, the, of the highs uh, throughout your career in a, in a moment but so this is all going really well there's some yeah. good stuff happening um, and the highs are very high but let's talk about a few of the lows um, so, obviously this can't be sustainable it's all just rosy and you're yeah. winning races and this is great and yeah. aren't we brilliant as a team when uh, when was your first uh, you, um, we don't have to talk about you know yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, your, your, your riders sort of details here or anything but did you have a, a big major instance, some uh, injuries, some broken bones, some stuff to handle in those early years? You were like, I'm not sure I'm, I'm, this is the right thing for me. Because I, the emotional stress that goes with demands yeah. of sponsors, yeah. want of riders, uh, that whole melting pot is a nightmare when injuries come along. So how, how do you start handling that, that sort of downside to, to all the success? really good question there's a, there's a lot to go into there yeah, I've, I've, no that's a really good question the, the first thing to say is that I realised that I was becoming too emotionally invested when we're in Wyndham World oh, yeah. Cup Wyndham yeah and it was fortunately because I'm talking about Danny it was early on so yeah. I realised this relatively early in my yeah. career but I remember he was in the start gate and Danny used to pump himself up he was like a raging bull and okay. he'd be like come on let's let's have it and I remember fueling that. And I remember walking down the start straight, 100 metres down the start straight, so he could see me. Mm -hmm. And I was just, come on, come let's, on let's, let's go. Yeah. And he goes, and I remember screaming at him, and off he goes. And I literally was like, whoa, you have no business doing that, mate. Yeah, you just pumped him up even more to go and yeah. smack into a tree. And or also, I was so invested in his performance. I'm yeah. not the one riding the bike. No, sure. And I realised that if I was that emotionally tied to it and pumped up then if the highs are high they're super high yeah but by the very nature if the lows are low yeah. i'm going to be dragged down and yeah, I, yeah. I realized quite early and we all know this from studies and the rest of it but to maintain a, a nice steady baseline is way better than having these huge peaks oh, and drops yeah and i that was my first point where i was like you know what alan calm it down a bit calm yourself down okay 
try and portray and come across as being calm, collected, on top of your shit. Let him do what he needs to do. Exactly. But and I really, you, from that you point on, your own I was you need to create your yeah. own character, not follow exactly what what you think the yeah. athlete needs to know on, on top of the yeah. training you've done. And so I used to be like a like a swan looking nice and calm on the outside <laughs> and underneath I was flapping Paddling like crazy. you've got 30 seconds to leave before you're uplift you know sure. you need to be getting on with your warm up yeah. I've planned this to the second you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and I was I really so first of all I realised that quite early okay and I've I've really and I really hope that if you were to speak to the Athertons who I spend a lot of time with and any of my other riders yeah. they'd say Alan's pretty calm yeah, pretty yeah. level headed yeah I'm not always the same at home no sure but no, professionally yes I, I really try and be pretty straight down the line okay. don't get too excited or sad and on, on your first big injury that came along so that how involved yeah, would you have been on that yeah so uh, did you then need to make some new contacts you needed to get more involved with doctors yeah because your plan so far is let's just let's coach some riders let's, let's train them and get better but obviously now is the flip side to this where it's like oh we need to get them better the f- yeah, in the terms f- of mending and healing because we can't perform if they're broken yeah so, uh, and that was G that was so when I got, <laughs> who else could yeah. it be <laughs> when after you success- wish I hadn't called you now no, oh I know, I know well this is it so after <laughs> success with Danny fast forward to sort of end of 2012 yeah and G and Brownie approached me at a national mm-hmm. and I think it was Coombe Sydney and they literally approached me that classic down yeah, yeah can we have a meeting I want to chat about next year and what they proposed was like all encompassing, right? You're going to be embedded in the team. You're going to be here multiple days a week. This is a full-time job. Okay. And that was the first time I was like, right, this is a proper, now we go this in. is a full-time yeah. job here. Yeah, here we yeah. go. This is, this is it. And I remember vividly, so he had Red Bull who were chipping in for the funding of that sure. and invested in that. So yes. I had to report to them. They had their team, yeah. physios, all the rest of it. And I remember very vividly G went up for an assessment and there was an imbalance that they'd seen okay and I got bollocked basically okay now whether I got bollocked or whether that was my lack of self-esteem and me taking it on as you got a bollocking was really interesting and I had to reflect on that and I felt awful and I was like bloody I'm gonna get sacked here because his left side is stronger than his right side or whatever it was right, right, but right. that's when I realized I was like right okay this isn't all Sunshine and roses. Sunshine and all roses. Yeah, there's yeah. there's proper consequences and yeah. um, accountability. accountability. That's the word. It's yeah. just accountability. It was a spreadsheet. Yeah. Now I'm answering like, people. Whoa, I'm yeah, answering yeah. to people here, and he he requires performance. So that was the first one, and then the next one that really got me heavily like involved with rehab, which has become from that point a real passion interest of mine, was Taylor Vernon. Okay, yeah, Taylor. So yeah, Taylor yeah, was yeah. a junior on the team and it, it would have been 2013 or 2014. Okay. He had a huge crash in Les Deux Alpes and right. just broke his back. Okay. And he had a lot of surgery. They put these huge, like, six, eight-inch rods in his back. Mm-hmm. And he was brought back to the UK and the team were really good in his support. And yeah. I was linked with the surgeon. I was linked yeah. with the physio. I had to play my part in this bigger multidisciplinary support structure. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, this is the next level again. Absolutely. This is what it's like in a rugby club. Sure. This is what it's like in a football club. Yes. Ah, okay. This is what my role is in a, yeah, yeah. a proper sport. Sort now of it's thing. not just me. Yeah, yeah. Now it's me, him, her, this her group. and him. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and that was a massive step forward. So although it was um, like a downside, clearly a downside, I was very much like 
the glass is half always half full. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was traveling down. We did some swim sessions to get them in the pool. Mm-hmm. I tried to do what I could to help with the rehab. I linked with the physios. And then that's where my interest in working with physios and rehab really came about. And I, I unfortunately, I deal with a lot of injuries. So you you have to you have to separate yourself from it a bit but you know yeah some huge ones that aren't fun and quite sad and like one of them really affected me because I I knew that I know the lad so well and he was in a coma and he was testing this triumph bike so he was involved with right. the like last year he was doing a lot of stuff with that okay and um he just had a huge crash and it was like touch and go yeah yeah and I was like, man, this is awful. Yeah, yeah. And I still feel like he, this is still an ongoing thing in his rehab. Sure. And I'd say that's affected me more than any other injury because really? yeah. of just like how I see him personally changing yeah. and his outlook. So, yeah, it, it does, you know, we, we don't play tiddlywinks. There are big outcomes to this. Yeah. And as time has gone on, these outcomes are, like I say, it's, it, where, where you try and keep it level, but the highs are highs, and the, you know, look at G's crash. Last I know, year and stuff. yeah. Some of these, some of these actually famous crashes. It's um, do you find it hard to um, do you find it hard to sort of stay level? Do you find it hard to not get like in this this one incident you mentioned? You know, it has affected you, but you know, you have you have ten of those, in, not those ones. But I know, ten, yeah, since a year probably. And I think that when how, how how do you actually handle it? With experience is yeah. the long and short of it. When yeah. you when you see someone like we've broken bones, you know the rehab process, you know what needs to be done. And again, I've tried to be more level headed. I know if you break your collarbone and it's a certain way, then you're okay. If it's not a certain way, you've got to get surgery. Mm-hmm. If you do it properly and get on with it, you'll be back on a bike in six weeks, no yeah. problem. Probably Easy. sooner. And so although there's trauma with it and emotional trauma, you can reassure them quite quickly, hey, yeah. this is all right. There are some injuries, so cruciate ligaments, for example. Yes. These are well, you have to reframe the expectation of the athlete. Look, this is your time frame. S- unfortunately, you're going to have to suck it up and work to that time frame. Yeah. But I, again, another conference I was at, there was a very well-known Len Funkus shoulder surgeon, works up in Manchester, the guy for shoulders. He was giving a talk. And I'd flown back from a race in South Africa into London, gone straight to this conference. It was like a three-day conference. And I remember being tired and whatever, because there's no time zone difference either from South Africa. So you sort of come straight off and you're like, well, we're right into this, we're still going. And I remember what brought me straight back into focus was he'd just given this talk on rugby injuries, shoulder injuries. And they were horrific. And he was talking through all these shoulder injuries and whatever. And someone asked the question, to him, does this affect you? How yeah. would, you, would you let your children play rugby yeah, yeah. Yeah. based on all of this trauma that you have to deal with? And I remember him giving this incredible answer and basically saying, look, we're here to live a life and we want oh, to sure. enjoy life. Yeah, yeah. And you could hurt your shoulder falling down some stairs. So as long as you're not reckless, then it bring, sport brings you a lot of joy. Yeah. And that really resonated. I was Definitely. like, you know what? I could wrap them up in cotton wool or not be involved with this. But ultimately... No one's putting a gun to their head to do it. No, sure. They enjoy it. I think that... They can always pull the brakes. They can put... They can yeah, exactly. They can not jump that jump. Yeah. yeah and yeah. although there are some events that I'm conflicted by where I think that there is a little bit of glorification <laughs> of the the drama and the crashes. I'm sure we're aware. Which we're aware of the ones about. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I am conflicted with that, to be honest. And I, I don't actively support watching those events. No, because sure. I just think that 
the crash reels, the GoPro crash reels are almost more valuable than the successful ones. Yeah, yeah. And I find that, you know, not great. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's that sort of stuff that, yeah, is is worrying. Yeah. Um, does it ever impress you uh, when an athlete defies medical advice and comes back sooner? Uh, or does it actually impress you? A bit of both. It's very rare that they will ever come back sooner than medical advice. Okay. The, the me- it's the who you get the medical advice from. Sure. So if you go to somebody and they think you're Joe Bloggs public and they don't think you're going to rehab four hours a day, yeah, yeah. they'll give you a certain time frame. Absolutely. If you go to the surgeons that we will often be around, they will expect nothing less than flat out rehab. Yeah. And normally their time frame is based on that. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very rare that with a bone injury, you can get back to strength and fitness within six weeks. It's It's... It's so hard, even with the laser treatment, either with the hyperbaric chamber, even, you know what I mean? Oh, I when know. you've got a bone that's under load, yeah. it's super hard to do that. With certain bones, we know with things like collarbones, for example, if you can tolerate the pain, Crack it's on. bolted together, Absolutely. deal with it. Yeah, with yeah. certain AC injuries, if you can deal with the pain, get on with it. Absolutely. But with some of these more fundamental bone breaks, it's very rare that I'm like, whoa, how have you done that? Yeah, yeah. Normally, I've... I'm super ambitious with them. Yeah. And I'm like, look, at six weeks, you can be in a good spot. Or at 12 weeks, you can be in a good spot. But only if you treat it as a job. Definitely. You turn up every day and you do your bit. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Um, talking about um, the talent of riders, um, the, the athletes you work with, you know, do you think the stars of our sport are born with talent and others aren't? Oh, you've... You triggered me with the word talent, Scott. I I don't really believe in talent. Okay. So if you I'll give you an example. Skill sets. Okay, I'll give you an example on why we should talk about this, because it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. So we're parents. Sure. We go to school. Let's say Elsie comes home, my daughter comes home, and she's like, little Johnny is amazing at football. He's so talented. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. You go and talk to little Johnny. Do you play football a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play two hours a day after school, Absolutely. every day. My dad takes me to clubs. I was chatting with a guy yesterday. He takes his boy to Wolverhampton. Yeah. Uh, he takes him up there three days a week. Yeah. He's got deliberate practice with a coach three days a week. He yeah. plays every other day. He plays at the weekend. The hours this lad is building up. Yeah. So if you then get a snapshot of that, yeah. uh, and the guy's nine, ten years old, you say he's talented. He hears that and he's like, hey, this comes easy to me. I'll do more of it. It's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think if you look back on anyone, they might have this like a predisposition or a natural coordination or a natural movement dynamic that fits. So if you put someone on a bike, I've got two daughters, my oldest daughter on a bike, not natural in inverted mm-hmm. commas. My youngest daughter, clearly natural. She looks around the corner. She loves it. She doesn't mind if she falls off. That, to me, is talent. Mm-hmm. That's like the raw material that means they're going to stick with it. Yeah, sure. Then you build up this skill set and it comes on and on. And I think when you look at youth development or the riders now, and you say these riders are more talented, as we were talking about at the start, you and me are riding at Longmore. Mm. I, we were going miles and miles and miles to ride through some rocks. Yeah. 
These guys now have got bike parks all over the place. They've got airbags, they've got skate parks, they've got trampoline parks. Mm -hmm. So I'm not negating them. And the skill level is clearly higher. Mm -hmm. But if you put Vulios in that situation, if you put PT in that situation, if you put, you know, Tracy Mosley in that situation at that age, they would have superseded their performance. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. So when I see guys coming up, the amount of time they spend on the bike, some of the juniors, they're taken out of school, they go riding midweek, they're doing uplifts all the time. So as a snapshot, they look mega talented. Yeah. yeah. But when you think about <clears throat> what's going on behind it, yeah. that is the the most impressive thing. Is that support and that like access. I don't think the bikes make a difference, honestly. So how often have you seen athletes come through the system who have clearly done nothing else but ride a bike they have literally from five years old like you said about the, the example of school children of course yeah. he's talented yeah. because he's playing football all day every day how many athletes have you seen come through who have clearly ridden a bike all day every day who just don't make it and what would you oh. consider the reasons for that to be oh i've seen i'll tell you the ones that have made it mm. that's easier yeah go for it kate edwards sure phil atwell right that's it yeah I'm sure that people will say, Mill has missed out on this, that, and the other. I worked with Cade. I remember yeah. going up when he was on Atherton's and going up to see him and, and doing some stuff in the gym. The kid is just so in love with bikes and riding bikes. Yeah. And we were at the Red Bull camp and he was, he'd ridden something in the morning. He'd ridden downhill all day and then he was going to the skate park in the evening. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> and he was like, <clears throat> he's a big, strong boy. Yeah. He's like farmer strength. And he was like, oh, this is why I don't always go to the gym. This is why I don't always do my intervals because I'm on the bike all the time. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't do his intervals. And I'm not saying he doesn't train. Sure. And the same with Phil. Yeah. Like I coach Phil and Phil comes to me for his training way more than I think he would. Okay. Yeah. What are we doing with this? How about this gym? Yeah, yeah. What about these intervals? The guy's on the case. But when you look at what Phil's passionate about, it is simply riding bikes. Yeah. And those guys have got talent in inverted commas yeah, yeah. but it's not they, they're hundreds of hours a week or to, every two weeks you know you count up these hours they're doing and so those, those guys put in those hours <coughs> excuse me um, <coughs> sorry um, put in those kind of hours uh, you know they couldn't do any more yes so what is it that Greg Minar has over them hey what he has oh, 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 yeah, I yeah, shouldn't yeah, be using yeah, yeah. names no, no. here because I really am putting you on the spot no, no, it's not fine. a professional so if you, but it, what is it that the champion mountain biker has over these guys who put the hours in they could not try any harder he wants to win more than the others simple as that simple as that simple as that he will want to beat you and be victorious him Danny G these alpha alphas simply want to beat you yeah. And they will do what is necessary. Yeah. I genuinely... They prey on weakness. They prey on... They uh, just want to yeah. win. Yeah, yeah. And they're so focused that they would not see benefit in skate parks. Sure. They would not see benefit in riding a skateboard yeah. in the evening of a World Cup race. They just yes. see it as a risk. Yes. Because their passion... I... Oh, I'll probably get shouted up. I almost don't think their passion is riding bikes. I think their passion is winning races. Yes, correct. To see the slight difference. No, I can relate to that. I'm sorry, I put yeah. myself in there, no, but no. I can relate to this. You know, I have friends who go riding all the time and join, come and play. Yeah. No, yeah. no, because that's not going to happen on Sunday. Win. Yeah. And that that is the difference between them. And when you see um, 
there's another trait that I think is different. You've got this need to achieve and need to avoid failure. Yeah. And you've got some people that they just want to avoid looking bad. Mm-hmm. So they'll always have some sort of excuse lodged in there. So if you look at these super talented riders, and I think I'd say this to Brendan if we were sat here. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd, I'll say this on air as it was. Brendan, one of the most skilled riders you'll ever meet. Phenomenal. Okay, I don't think unbelievable. Guys. I don't think yeah. he is challenged by a downhill track. No, any more than any of the winners. No. And when he was turning up to races, you always got a feeling as though if something didn't quite go right, there'd be a reason behind it. Yeah. Oh, this and legitimately, go, legitimately. It could be, absolutely. There'd yeah, be yeah. a reason. Yeah. But if Greg or G, it didn't go right, they would get to the bottom of that reason, make sure it never, ever happened again yeah. and turn up the next weekend and try and win. Yeah. But I, I think that some of the riders, they don't quite have that, like pure dog in him and I, I don't necessarily think that's a positive thing no, for sure. like you as a rounded individual no. I think it's incredibly like it's very very rare and you know Greg will have a beer after a race but it's very, it's very rare to find champions who dominate as exactly well, and that's why and when you see Loic cross the line like at world champs yeah I'm walking over to the podium Loic's on his bike he calls Alan, comes over, gives me a big hug. Well done, congratulations. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, how was your race? How was your run? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I didn't have the run I wanted. I wasn't very happy. But so well, then, So it's this, it it's, it's yeah. this ability for him to go, it worked amazing. It didn't work. I'm not happy. But then he can switch it off and just be normal again. So sure. he can almost be happy for the guy who did win if he didn't. Yeah. But then he'll, you know that in the week he'll be trying to, you know, and this for me is what categorizes the champions in that this is a real job for them. This is a job yeah. that's very, very accountable, not just by their boss, but by millions of people watching yeah. from the outside as well. They'll tell you what they think of it as well. And I, I think when when the elite of the elite uh, go on winning streaks, win championships, win Olympics, win whatever, they they're so honed in on what their job it is to do, and nothing else matters. Very selfish, but nothing yeah, else matters. It is, and I, I don't necessarily think it's like for Greg. He's fascinating because for Greg, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. I think his motivation is to produce the perfect bike. His challenge right. that he feels is how can I make this bike perfect. Right. He doesn't question himself. He'll do everything to a T when it comes yeah, to yeah. training, comes to downhill runs, but he's never happy. Right. It's always give me the bike that I want okay. and I will be the man. Right. And when he gets that bike and you see that spark, you're like, here we go, we're in trouble because he's going to do the business. So when he has his setup, it's, yeah. it's not spe- it, it, to, to caveat what you're saying, I know exactly what you're saying. It's not the bike he's riding, no, it's no. the exact exactly. setup on that day yeah. for this track yeah. but, in this exact condition. And the and irony once he, is, once he links the dots, it's on. It's on. But the irony is that that will be what he says. Mm. but what I see and I've talked about this with him is the two most successful races he's had over the past couple of years one was in Leo Gang yeah. and then the other was in Andorra yeah. at both of those races a lot of his friends and family were there Right. and Greg is one of these people where if you walk into a room Greg will want to introduce you to everyone in the room Sure. Alan come and meet Scott come and meet sure. him come and meet him yeah, yeah. he loves doing that yes. he's re- that's what 
he likes to do, likes to put people together. So I, my take on it is he wants those he wants people to love downhill. He wants people to see him do what he knows he can. Mm-hmm. And he almost rises to that occasion. Yeah, yeah. And other people, so for G, he's so competitive. Yes. If I was in a gym one-to-one with G, yeah. and say we're doing a deadlift. Sure. And I deadlifted 130, 140 kilos. He'd do 140 kilos and say that's enough. Oh, no, no, you can do more than that. No, I can't, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> So I'm like, here we go. So I need to find someone who can deadlift 200 kilos to push him to, to push him to do it. <laughs> and we had a really funny story. Danny was in the gym with me in, in Wales in Oswald Street. Yeah. And G's super good at these weighted chin-ups. Yes. And I've set him these challenges and all the rest of it. And we always work on it. Anyway, Danny was like, what can G do? Weighted chin-ups. I said he can do, I think it was like six or eight reps with 25 kilos from his belt. Incredible, yeah. Danny's like, all right, let's give it a go. So puts the weight on and Danny gets to like four okay fair play Danny's a lot lighter than G he's you know smaller. as a percentage body Absolutely. weight I'm like yeah, fair yeah. play that's legit and he's like little bugger I said tell you what do it again just go up there I'm going to wind G up yeah so he gets up there and he I film him doing one yeah and I was like would you believe it Danny's just done nine and I send it to G on a WhatsApp. <laughs> Within five seconds, G's taken a photo. And he's he like, has. Alan, I'm in the gym. Yeah. Give me a minute. <laughs> he's in Andorra with Katie, his girlfriend. Yeah. And Katie told me the story later. They were leaving the gym. They were literally walking we're out. Finished. And he we're got, done. yeah, we're done. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. 25 kilos, he bangs out 10 reps. Of course he does. Do you see what I mean? Love it. All he wants to do is... And this is what I'm trying to dig into, you know. I just want to beat you. These best of the best Olympic world, World Cup champions. Yeah. They're wired differently. Yeah, yeah. And it's very, you know, this would take hours to try and unpick some of this because it's, there's something in there. And and Danny will be in other situations. I remember riding up, years ago, we were on the bikes and there was this impossible climb. And obviously I don't say impossible to these guys. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't get up it. And yeah. I was like, well, that's a bit hard, wasn't it? We were never going to do that. Yeah, let's go. What do you mean? Whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah. He didn't leave until he'd done it. Yeah, yeah. And it's that, I see that a lot, riding trials bikes with Charlie. We ride up at Button Oak. Oh, yeah. And I remember it took 20 goes. Mm-hmm. On the 21st, I cleared this section, finally got up to climb. Yeah. He'd done it on, say, go 15 or whatever. But I stopped he was like, no, no, this is your starting point now. This yeah, yeah. is now where we have to perfect it. Yeah. And to me, that's really interesting because if I relate it to, say, a big double on a BMX track, sure. I do it once, I'm like, Phew, I've ticked that one that's off. done. They're it like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah, no. they're like, no, no. we now got to make this as a second nature. And Absolutely. that's something that I don't think you can learn from a textbook. I, Absolutely not. I think, like I go back to my development, if I was with someone and that was their attitude and I was 15, 16, oh, right, mm. right, Gonna have to step up. Mm-hmm. So putting those my one of my roles, I think, is creating an environment where I go, you know what, that guy is quite quiet and just wants to do his best. I need a bit more dog in him. Yeah, yeah. Let's put him in a room with someone who's got a bit of dog in him but isn't actually quite as good. Sure. We might get some good chemistry. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. And so these examples of, of G and Danny, has that something that's evolved more over the years where you do not pitch rise against each other, but you do have some challenges? Some fun times in the gym. Exactly. Where, come on, guys, let's go. And you know what? The boys always laugh at me because I will work my balls off 
behind the scenes yes. for six weeks to figure this out to figure it out How and I'll train yeah. for one task and I'll wait till the end of the session where they're all tired and I'll be like right boys I've got an idea I've got an idea yeah. let's have a bit of fun yeah whoever loses buys lunch or whatever sure and I'll do something and they'll be like bloody hell we're going to have to work it <laughs> and that's all I've worked so hard that and they've you, not seen the, just to put myself in, they're going to thrash me the swan has been paddling yeah again. yeah exactly and and I, I don't do that with everyone, and I don't do it all the time. No, sure. But there are some times where I need, like Charlie. I always say to Charlie, he's just too nice. Okay. He's just too nice. Okay. And to see him win world champs was so rewarding and quite emotional because he's the nice guy that deserves that win. Yeah. And quite often it doesn't happen because they're not like bloodthirsty enough. And I think before this this podcast, people would have said. Well, how does being nice affect you on a on an individual time trial down a hill on a mountain bike? But when when we give some examples of how dogged some of these riders yeah. are, you've got to have some grit about you too. Nice guys don't predominantly win in our sport because you you've got to have a bit of grit exactly. about you. And it's also, refreshing, it's like isn't it? Death by a thousand cuts. So if yeah. you think about it, if I'm nice, can we go back to the um, accommodation now so I can put my feet up? Yeah. Charlie, would you mind waiting 20 minutes because then the mechanics are ready and it's better if we all go in one car? Yeah, sure, no problem. He's doing himself out of that recovery. That's right, yeah. You know, and I'm just pulling out random ideas. But if, you know, can you just wait a minute while we take some photos for the sponsor? No, I can't. You know, (laughs) if you say yes, 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 if you total that up over a race or a a season... You've got all these little points where potentially you've yeah. sacrificed something for the greater good. Yeah. And potentially that's performance. But with other people, like I remember we were on training camp once and G said, oh, we're going for dinner at seven. And there was a whole house of us and we were all leaving at seven. Click seven. Right, we're off. No one else is there. Yeah. He jumps in one of the cars and goes. I'm off. We said seven. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but what about that? He goes, I don't care. Don't I want to eat, them. I want to get back, I want to do this. That's and right. When you start to understand that mentality, when yeah. that guy's fighting for wins and world champ, you, you, it doesn't make him nice to be around, but you can respect it. Yeah. And and I think Absolutely. that G certainly changed and mellowed a lot. Yeah. And I almost want to, when I see younger guys coming up that are maybe like accepting something that's really doing them out of yeah. A, I'm like, you know what? That's not suiting you best. No, sure. I'm not saying be an arsehole. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying be rude. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying have a, maybe have a quiet word and yeah. say, you know what? You know, potentially, please, is yeah. there a way we could do it like this? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think you need to be mean or rude or arrogant at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. But I think that when the team respects that... But you need to be focused and driven. And, and you see that in Andy Cole, definitely. Fierce. You yeah. see him growing in that ability to say, this doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. This won't work for me. I yeah. need to do that now. And the, that's where the Athertons are so good as a team because they, there's a lot of piss-taking, there's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. But if something needs to happen for the rider's benefit, bang, it gets done very well straight away but they were the first to approach you to, to, to be involved in the team as a as a as an employee essentially they, yeah. they get the performance aspect they, do. they always have done so yeah. you know there's no yeah. there's no coincidence with, with Andy what he's doing yeah. so let's skip forward uh, we're going to miss out a load we're just you know we could do a nine podcast I can do <laughs> um, but let's skip forward to 2023 um, yeah. I don't know if you're allowed to if you're happy to whatever to discuss uh, which athletes have you worked with this year <laughs> 
Um, maybe you want to mention some, not yeah. others. I don't know how they all, how yeah. your deals are. Um, but just let the, the listeners know who you're working with currently and how 2023 has gone as a, as a whole. 2023 so far has been amazing. Okay. It's been a busy year going to all the World Cups. Um, I work with quite a few of the World Cup riders and I, I guess I have two ways of doing it. One is that the main role and my key focus is getting them fit, strong and prepared for racing. Yeah. So that's my main job. Job one. And I do that with the union team. I do that with Dakota Norton and Joe Breeden. I do that with uh, Charlie on the Athertons. Um, Andy Cobb's got his own guy for that. So yeah. it's worth, I want to make that really clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I work with Greg, I work with Danny. Um, I work with Phil, I work with some juniors. Probably a number I'm missing out. Luke and Remy, Mars Smith, for example, and mm-hmm. Giant. Quite a number of the World Cup riders yeah. I, I work with. and. A lot of that is done through programming. Yeah. So obviously a lot of international riders, guys in the US, guys in Australia, New Zealand, I'll work with them remotely. A lot of WhatsApp, a lot of voice memos, a lot of emails, a lot of videos. Yeah. Trying to get them set. Then I've got the guys in the UK that I see quite regularly. Yeah. So I see Danny regularly and Joe and Charlie and a number of other guys will come to see me and we work face to face. That to me is the most rewarding. You know, yeah. if you can be in the same room. And obviously, like when Greg's over in the UK, I, I've seen Greg this year because of that. Sure. But he's in Andorra a lot of the time. So, yes. yeah. you know, we were on the phone this morning. It's yeah. quite easy to do that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So that's my primary goal. Then when we go to World Cups, the Athertons take me to the World Cups okay. to focus on the whole team. Okay. And then I am also able and I've sort of requested to be able to work with a number of the other guys. So yeah. I support Danny. Sure. I support Greg. Yeah. I support Oscar Griffiths and Michaela. So I can feed back to them on things like basically from the hill. Yes. So it's everything from planning their day, the structure of the day, yeah. to line choice, feedback, technical feedback, some strategy in there, and trying to help them maximize the day. So, and that's where I get to work with Andy really closely. Yes. And that I find really rewarding. So Andy will want to see, well, what about this line versus that line? Yeah. yeah. So I'll go up there, film them split screen them time them we debate it and ultimately it's what he feels most comfortable with and the same with greg and the same with danny but those are your conversations that i find rewarding because that's the icing on the cake you know getting to that position absolutely Um, and it's a shame you can't do it for everyone but it's just impossible time you can't spread yourself yourself too thin and i tried it once a few years back and i was so stressed and i felt yeah. ultimately if you're billing someone to be there they've got to feel as it's good value for money yeah sure they're getting attention yeah and because of that it's sort of capped that way yeah but the good thing is if i'm seeing i see luke and remy and ollie davis and frida and all the other guys and girls you can still have your conversations with them. It's, yeah because you know what yeah I mean? just you saying you're there oh you're we tried doing them. this yeah exactly that's just little little snippets yeah you know but that's that's just being a polite human being that's yeah. not being you know exactly. that's just that's just been nice yeah and with dakota he's like dakota such a character he will you're gonna get more from him face to face yeah he'll tell you how he's feeling he'll yeah, tell yeah. you that his back's sore he'll tell you this right okay but you haven't mentioned your back was sore previously oh i didn't think it was any big deal yes yeah, sure. and then i saw do you see what i mean you're yeah, picking yeah. up on it going right maybe we can nip this in the bud before it gets too much yeah but you've been on a plane 
You've been in a van. You've been yeah. on a bike. No wonder. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's those go karting last yeah, night. Exactly. You know, all that stuff. It's all of this that you just try. A game of golf probably didn't help. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. You try yeah. to learn the rider. Yeah. And ultimately, I learn the riders better by being at the races because you see them in their environment. Yeah. You see if they're quiet or loud. You see if they're organized or disorganized. You see if stress speeds them up or slows them down. All yeah. of these things you can yeah, just yeah. you know you, you can see. And do you have many riders who have left your stable? Who have then come back? They 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 thought okay, I've I've reached my point with Alan. The grass is greener. Go and try with someone else. And then actually went. Oh no, you know we'll, we'll come back. No names. Just not just, really. Just out of curiosity. But I had there are two situations when I moved after coaching Danny and then moving on to the Athertons. Essentially, I couldn't. There wasn't the option to do both. Yeah. Okay. Say. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to stop working with Danny. Yeah. And. That was a shame. It was business. It was how things are. Sure. But then a couple of years ago, well, no, it was last. This would have been your opportunity to join the team to be involved. Exactly. It was that's, just that's how a whole it was. Different it was a real conversations that, yeah, different, I mean, different thing. Yeah. But then after World Champs last year, me and Danny had a meeting and we started talking about working again together for this okay. year. And so that's been really nice to nice. come back. Yes. And then in and has he brought some stuff to you that from different trainers and stuff where you're like oh that's interesting. If the way he worked was his evolution as an adult as an athlete, I can now see mm-hmm. and I'm now trying to go okay that's cool. I started the process, you continue the process, and now my job is to come in and support where you're at. Yeah. In and and work with you in that respect, and we work really well together. I really enjoy it, and I love working with him. Oh, definitely. And. With G, I had worked with the team solidly for probably four or five years. Yeah. And I decided it was time for me to do something different. Oh, okay. So I sort of said to the Athertons, I think it was 2017. Okay. I'm going to try something different here. I need okay. to move away. Right. So I then stopped working with them and then moved on to work with individuals as opposed to the team. Yes. But then a couple of years ago... G's old mechanic said, G's quite keen to work with you. Would you be interested in working yeah, with him cool. again? Okay. Right, right, so right. then we sort of rekindled that and yeah, then yeah. Rach came back and it, it's been really good. And I, yeah. I'm quite happy that I don't feel as though, I hope I haven't burnt any bridges and I think I try and keep things I think it's in your nature to, to do that. I, and I think like I mean, your to. circumstance, especially yeah. with Danny getting a job at the Aftons, well, that's, that's a full-time job. He would understand that. There's nothing you can say about your give me 200 quid a month or whatever, uh, exactly. blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. It, it, it was just a different a thing. Yeah, wasn't exactly. So these, these yeah. aren't burning bridges. These yeah. are just things. But have you learned something from the athletes? Did the athletes bring some knowledge to you? You will always learn from But every day you learn something. For sure. But did they bring a, something to you? You're like, oh, that's really, that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. What? Yes and no, I mm. think. I think sometimes a lot of coaches will coach them in a certain way. And ultimately... Riders will come to me because maybe they're not happy with what they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to go, what are they not happy about? Because a lot of the time, 80% of it is really, really good. Yeah. And it's only little tweaks. Yeah. A lot of people, what I learn a lot is how I'm quite old school. I work on Excel. I'm not very yeah, yeah. computer savvy. <laughs> I learn how people communicate. Sure. And I've learned a lot from other coaches and how the athletes say, oh, my coach does it this way. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's cool. So it's often about the process because at the end of the day, I wouldn't expect anyone to do anything wildly different from me. Yeah. And I think if anyone was to review my programs, I don't think they do it. I'd do it wildly different. Yeah. But I think 
it's the way you how do you get across your athlete how do you sure. engage them yes they always say that a hundred percent adherence to an average program yeah is way better than 50 percent adherence to the best program yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so That's if you have that yeah. as your starting point yeah let's make sure we do all the basics really well mm-hmm. and what motivates you to stick to it because yeah. there's no point in me writing a program isn't that isn't manageable yeah 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 definitely uh i, I touched on 2023 and how it'd been for you i assume you were at fort william i think you were at fort yes. william so you were there with charlie yes um let's get back on some some exciting happy stuff how was it? What were you at the start? Were you at the finish line? So I was at the um, with the elites. So I'm basically at the at the bottom to help them get prepared to leave on time. So I plan yeah. all the warm ups. It's all reverse engineered, so we know what their start time is, and therefore what time they need to have the shit in a pile and leave the yes. pits. Yeah, yeah. Everything's ready. He's got all his kit to warm up at the top, and um, yeah. So we're in the pits. The boys put on big drum and bass tune for him to leave. Big hype. Off he goes to the so top. So Charlie's a big drum bass Yeah, yeah, massive drum bass. Yeah, yeah, huge. <laughs> huge. And I love my drum bass as well. So I, I was, it was a chasing status tune and he, Brilliant. he, everything was right. He set off, the weather had changed. He, he knew that he'd be fine. Yeah. And he was right, like I'd been up the hill. And one thing that I think was quite interesting from that event was Fort William has essentially stayed the same for 20 years. Yeah, sure. And they yeah. changed different parts of it. There was a middle section in the woods that had changed quite a lot. And after day one, I remember going back to Charlie and we had this bit of a conversation. I said, you know what? There is a lot of people filming in this section. There's mm. a lot of feedback. That is 40 seconds. Yeah. We need to look beyond that. Yeah. Because it's a four and a half minute track. Yeah, yeah. Where are we going to win the race? What are we missing out on? Because you, you'll have all the feedback. From You're all going to use the same line up there because that's what everyone's feeding back. Yeah. yeah. So we decided that I was going to go higher up the track onto some innocuous corners. Okay. And we learned so much from that. Okay. And he was taking inside lines that no one was taking. And right. he was starting, he, he, he evolved and it was very much led by him. And I think that I was able to support and feed back on that to say, don't bother with that. It's not going to work. Okay. Or, hey man, I think you're onto something here. Right. And when you look at the splits of the race, he won it in split two. Right. And that was what we'd worked on. And we'd look through the sectors and the splits. And that to me was a rewarding like, outcome because... I felt as though we came up with a game plan. Yeah. We were like, you know what? Split three is 40 seconds long. Yeah. There's two options here. We've split screened them. It's not a massive difference. Right. What do you prefer doing? Take it in your stride, that section. Just, exactly. Just, just keep it on two wheels. Keep it on two wheels. But up here, you can take good chunks of time because we, I don't think people are focusing on it. Right. Because all their coaches are Fantastic. in the woods. Yeah. They're thinking, get to the woods and then do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going, hang on a second. Why don't we try and win that? Just sector? disregard win it. Well, it's just, a, it's just a gravel up there. You're just going to yeah, flow exactly. through as you can. There was a lot of that. Interesting. And so that was rewarding. And then at the bottom, um, there were so many people. And the way that accreditation works at World Champs, you can't get in there. No, I know. And I was so <laughs> nervous. Like, I literally wanted to watch it with my mates. I yeah. didn't want to be with the boys at the yeah. bottom okay. because I was just like, I just want to watch it with my mate. And he'd come up just to watch. And so I'd watch Charlie's run with everyone. Mm-hmm. And he'd gone into the hot seat. Yeah. And then I was just like, he could do this. Yeah, yeah. And so I sort of just took myself off. you sense it when you cross the finish line. You're like, that's yeah, a good time. We, yeah, yeah. We knew it was legit. We know, we know the yeah. weather's changing a bit, but that's a legit time. And we're, we're, and in, the, was, we're in the ballpark. Here. And it was clean. He was clean through the woods. And ultimately, the problem was that people were overriding that section. Yes. You can imagine if that was, if everyone had been banging on at you about how, how important this 40 seconds is. Yeah, the focus is. in there is. Yeah. And then yeah. I think people overrode it and got, made mistakes. And so we knew it was on. And then. When the riders started ticking off, the 
problem really is you're either world champion or you're not. No, that race is one of them, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It is. And as it much is. as silver and bronze are incredible, sure. and for the Aftons to have Andy and silver as well, it's yeah, mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, please don't come in silver now. Yeah, After, yeah, yeah. You know. And well, when you're sat in that hot seat for an, an hour plus, oh, God, how exactly long that. it was, it was great. Yeah. They're all ticking off. You need something from this. Yeah. And I was feeling obviously conflicted because like I've got other riders on the Absolutely. hill. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I thought Greg could do it. I really thought Danny could do it, but Danny yeah. had some issues. And it was all of this stuff where you're like, well, come on, Danny. Let's, if your best is better than Charlie's, That's I'm going to be super excited. I, you know, I, it, I'm all over that. We get that totally. Yeah. yeah. But when it wasn't, and I was like, Right, he's oh, gone. So back on Charlie. Yeah, right, who's exactly. Next? And it Greg's was, next, it was whatever, sort blah, of blah, yeah. that sort of pragmatic approach. But when it came down to, I think Loris was the last one down. Yeah. And it was bloody close. Yeah. And when he crossed the line, I was just like, I was pretty overcome with like, I bet. oh, it was just such relief. And then it's a funny one because I've had this. It, I don't know what it says about me, but I remember in Half Year in 2014, I remember being with G when he won World Champs. And we were just having a meal. And he was like, we should probably go out. <laughs> well, it's the... Uh, you know what I mean? It's the winning the World Cup football and a cup of tea in yeah. that moment. It's just like, I'm not sure what's the yeah. right... There's no script for this. No. Yeah. And the best thing for me was the drive... It sounds weird again, but the drive home, like just that immense satisfaction. I got up in the morning. We drive up of expectation, hope. Exactly. And, Let's most, do and a you drive good job here. And you have literally yeah. green ticked it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it felt as though I was in a convoy with... There was like a... It was like an S4 Audi, me, and then a BMW. And you know the A82, you've done it a million times. A million times. The weather was just beautiful. And we're in this, it was like, I was at the, I was in the middle. So it was like, I had the VIP in the back of mine. I had the Outrider and the guy behind. Yeah. And every car, we just overtook it at like 80, in like a three of us. (laughs) And it was like. 70. Yeah, 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 70, sorry. Century. And it was like I was taken back to being like in a Jack Reacher book or something. And I was right. like, this is bloody brilliant. And I was so happy. <laughs> and I just sort of, that seven, eight hour drive was was easy. Just yeah, flew yeah. by. Yeah, yeah, just flew by. Yeah, How many world good. championships have you won? And I will say, have you won? You know, it's a, this, well, is, this is an individual sport, but there's a team behind it all. I've worked with eight world champions. So okay. I've, I've coached athletes that have won eight world championships. I've, I've won with G, Manon, Danny, uh, Charlie, Greg, and then three with Rachel. Yeah. So, not it's it's very rewarding to be able to say that because yeah, yeah. male, female, yeah, different bikes, different Absolutely. teams. Um, yeah, and it was, it's nice to be able to felt as though you've had a part in them. Yeah, They're yeah. the ones riding. Yeah. There's plenty of other people that have incredible input and more input. But another question I was going to ask you—it's just come to me now. I really thought about this earlier. So with Charlie um, and last one, Charlie, but. Um, Charlotte World Champs obviously there was a lot of focus around Rachel uh, wanting this big swan song and rightly so deserves every yeah, tiny absolutely. bit of yeah. adulation that she'll get from the world you know she yeah. deserves everything but there was a focus I think in Atherton's on okay let's, this is Rachel's day let's try and make this work yeah. uh, Andy was on form all year I think yeah. there was a focus on him yeah um and, and it might have been that Charlie was like the third wheel in this, just sort of less pressure from the team, whereas they're, they're a winning machine. Yeah. And I, I have the utmost respect for Afton. But he might have just been in the background doing his thing and being allowed at World Champs, which is rare, freedom to just be relaxed. 100%. Yeah. 
But, and there's a big but with this, because we've talked about this a lot. I often bring this up with Charlie because he's often in the shadows. Yes. And I have said to him that more and more nice, people... Nice guy Charlie in the shadows. Nice, nice guy Charlie. And the thing is that there were more people that were muttering about how well Charlie was riding and on the track or Charlie's going quick. And I said to Charlie, because he's not used to being the guy in the limelight. Yeah. And he's used, he's comfortable in those. I, you know, we were saying, I'd read something that um, Steve Redgrave had said. Mm-hmm. And I'd literally just been reading this book and Steve Redgrave had said this quote. And I, I said it to Charlie. I said, look, Steve Redgrave says that the favourites often win. Now, that sounds obvious. But the fact is, you need to be comfortable to be considered a favourite. Yeah, sure. You have to put yourself out there and say, yeah. you know what? I'm one of the favourites here today. Yeah, yeah. And almost that puts you in a position where you can win. It yeah. like ups your odds. Yes. Hey, all of a sudden, I could do this. Yeah, yeah. But if you're one of these people, and we've sort of talk, talked almost about the underdog mentality and the guys that aren't bloodthirsty and maybe have these other reasons why it doesn't go well, it's almost a flash in the pan. And that's not Charlie. Charlie's legitimately there all the time. Mm. And it's almost for him to have that belief and say, you know what, I'm the boy here. Well, the, the fragile souls, aren't they, riders? Mountain bike riders, BMX riders, cyclists. Everyone's quite fragile, motocross riders. Yeah. Um, and, and when you get a little pat on the back from people going, oh, you're on, you're looking good yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. That's sometimes yeah. all it can take yeah, to just yeah. tip the odds. And, but and both believe, ways. And if you believe that as well, That's if you're an athlete thing. who believes like, well, well, John's just said I've got a chance here and, and he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And he but must like have seen something, you know. It, exactly. It, it, but if you off. take it in that way, as yeah. opposed to taking it as a pressure and, yeah. a, a, you know, everyone's expecting me to win. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the downsides of the rainbow jersey. Yes. Because when we went to Andorra, Charlie didn't want to wear the rainbow jersey in practice. Really? And one of my biggest regrets was going, he said to me, I'm going to look a knob in this jersey. And he didn't put it on. <laughs> the jersey that every single person yeah. entered in that race wants to wear. And but I, I remember like yeah. taking it as a flippant comment. And then I reflected on it. I thought, you know what? I should have pushed him to wear that. Yeah. Because I think when you put it on for qualifying, yeah, 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 you're yeah. like, oh my God, this they've made this out of lead. Sure. You know, all of a sudden this jersey yeah. weighs heavy. You need to get, you need used, to get to, used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, right. Uh, wanted to talk about racing itself just quickly as well. Um, where do you see the future of mountain bike racing going? I was, I, I would say, let's go with you specifically on the World Cup. How's, how's this big change been this year? Don't get yourself into any trouble. <laughs> We're all hearing the rumours and the bits and pieces. Um, but you know, do you see the future has been bright, or is it still some real evolution to come yet? I think the future for downhill has huge potential. I think that's the best way to say Always it. has had. I know. And I think that it's a step forward. My One of my next door neighbours, as I've got to know him, he's into sailing. He's got into downhill from watching it. Okay. And previously he would scrabble around trying to find where he can watch it. Now he can watch it on the telly. Yeah. For me, that's a big, you know, yeah, big yeah. game changer. Yeah, definitely. But um, the big conflict I see from being on the ground is... I think the tracks have to be exciting for the riders to ride. Mm-hmm. If you have a track that the riders are frothing about riding and excited, they then perform the best. Okay. The problem that some of the tracks have is we go back to the same venues and they're the same bike park turns and the differentiator is how good was your run? Yeah. And I genuinely believe, and you know, when we go back to those Welsh Dragons, 
How good was your run? Mate, I came off the bike there, but I still beat you by 10 seconds <laughs> because there was that many opportunities. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's that much separation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think that if you build in these natural sections and you build in off-canvas sections and you build in uh, rooty sections and line gaps and multi-line options, yeah. you'll get the most out of the riders. Yeah. Now, I know that's a tiny part because in the bigger machine, they're like looking at camera positions and access for medics Absolutely. and you know how they're going to get... a how they're going to cover it but i to me i still think that's your your nugget your starting point and everything builds around it and we've seen like ludenville i was so frustrated at ludenville because the rain came down i was like here we go we've got a race and they cancelled the juniors and yeah. I, I was i'm just speechless at that absolutely speechless and they'll have their reasons and they'll tell me the right answer and why they cancelled it and all the political stuff but that is your opportunity to go Let's see what these boys can do. How much Let's damage do you think that's done do. to UCI and ESO and the Warner Brothers sort of returns uh, now? It, In the grand I scheme of I, things. I saw that decision as being a mistake, but yeah. I was not there. Yeah. I'm not, you know, and I, again, I, I will understand some of the, the reasons they give for it, but I, I think it's done them some fundamental damage here. In year one... Uh, that's uh, the, the problem is that if the riders had said, I'm going to break my neck going down this. Yeah. This is too dangerous. Then they should pull the plug. Mm-hmm. My understanding was it was the course clearer, the A, B or C plate rider that came down and said that's impossible. And then they were like, oh, okay. And that, that put their heckles up and they were like, what are we going to do? And then the first juniors came down their first run and couldn't What you would do with the Ironman TT is take John McGuinness out in the course car. You would take... Exactly. You would take... Greg Minar up the you'd course and we'd have exactly. you would so have, what do we do you have riders reps yeah. on UCI yeah, for yeah. a reason yeah. you have you have ride representatives for a reason yeah. and if you're not utilising them then and then the, the, there was a red flag thrown at say 10 past 10 and by half 10 it was cancelled so 20 minutes they've made a decision where no riders were consulted and I actually sought out Eris the junior world champion female because I was like was it gnarly? And I literally found her in the pits and I said, what did you think? Was it the right thing to do? And she goes, no, it was amazing. I wanted to ride it. Mm. And I was like, well, if the junior females are saying it's all right to ride, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And if there's no access to the track, the forecast had been for rain. You'd rescheduled the race because of rain. If you, there's no access to a track, that's a that's a forward that, planning problem. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a fundamental thing. thing. That's that's why yeah. you got an event if you can't access. Yeah. There was a lot of problems with that track outside of the track. Yes, like I had to climb over barbed wire to get to a section, and it was yeah. on off camber, and I was like, I'm going to hurt myself here. There was a lot of that stuff, but the track itself, yeah. the raw material was incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we've seen some of these other tracks, like Andorra had this new section at the bottom that was amazing, and that's the stuff that if the riders are stoked to ride it, yeah. You're gonna get people happier. Yeah, you know what the, I mean. The overall, the overall the sort vibe. Of talk yeah, the, exactly. Is good, which it's is a great positive. starting point. Yeah, and I think that. So going back to your original question, I don't know because I I really hope it's not something that someone has bought, developed, and they're going to sell on like a business. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case at all. I've no idea. Yeah. But it would be a shame if that is the case. Yeah. And I hope that the whole package starts to talk more about the riders so we get to know them because they are slimming it down it does sound as though we're going to get slimmed right down yeah yeah, yeah. so maybe 30 yeah 
And if that's the case, you have to tell the story of these people. Yeah, yeah. Like they do in motocross, Supercross so well. Yeah, We sure. know the different characters. We understand the Speedway them. and some of these other yeah, events. I mean, Speedway's a Warner Brothers yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, deal as well now. And, and yeah. you know, they're building these, these mega stars up. And, yeah. Um, for me, it, it always, it's, you know, we had uh, Volvo and Ford yeah. and Siemens and all these huge companies sponsoring the sport when it was on Eurosport yeah, yeah. back in the day. When yeah. I started... <laughs> Um, <clears throat> outside industry sponsors was rife. Every yeah. team had it. Yeah. Red Bull did an incredible job of making it look very yeah. cool, taking it to uh, the core audience of just mountain bikers, yeah. but all the sponsorship went. Yes. There's no sponsorship. If you're on the internet, that outside industry sponsor doesn't exist. Yeah. And so I firmly believe that now be on TV you will get the outside industry sponsors come back maybe not in year one but by certainly by next year if in out of industry sponsors don't come back to teams by next year then there's a big problem in my mind you don't get Formula One on the internet you don't get uh, I'm trying to think of any any sports cricket God knows what it's not on the internet it's live on Sky Sports you have to be on TV to get out of industry Mm -hmm. dollars Um, and that's that's where I hope there's some plan here for the sport. It's not about uh, the organization or them and theirs. It's about the teams and riders being able to fund yeah. this crazy sport in a better way because the model through Red Bull TV wasn't right because it just didn't attract out of industry sponsors. That's where I hope it's going to go. And I hope someone has that on a, on a plan somewhere because, yeah, Completely. hopefully that, that, you know, sponsors will approach ESO, UCI, and they will be filtered into teams. It's really interesting. I've had some conversations about this. Um, We were in Andorra and there was a couple of meetings around some of this stuff. And um, what was really interesting was talking to G's girlfriend, Katie, and she's like a rally driver and she does this extreme E-series. She's a rebel athlete. Right, cool. And what was really interesting was some of the conversations that are quite obvious, but we haven't been used to a mountain biking is you bring a sponsor in and you go, look, you know Mercedes. Yeah. Look, let's link you with the riders, not just put Absolutely. your Mercedes vehicle halfway up the track. Let's finish this let's job. Let's actually off. go. Yeah. Let's get G arriving on site in the Mercedes. Let's yeah. do a piece to camera. Let's have an advert that goes out during the week on Eurosport that builds up with the mountain biker taking his bike off the. Absolutely. You know all of this stuff, and it's simple. There stuff. is simple stuff, and simple. I think I think Scott McMorris is now involved yeah, yeah. in that process. Yes. So great guy, you know, yeah, great guy. Yeah. Ex Oakley. That's yeah. obviously why we mention it. But I think he, that will be one of his roles. Yeah. And I've seen Whoop have been one of the first outside industry. Sure. But that's really frustrated me because they've, they've got the logos everywhere. Yeah. And they're using this live data feed. Yeah. But I don't know if the data feeds the time delay or whether it's just not accurate, but you know, Rick was commentating on Loic Bruni at 140 beats a minute during a race run. Yeah. And like Rick's trying to understand, like frame it going, well, is he's chilling sort of thing. I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, no. He's not 140 beats a minute. He's no. probably 190. Yeah, he was five minutes ago, but he isn't Exactly. Yeah. And so that frustrates me because you're... You've got a technical doing, partner that yeah, just isn't giving partner, it. Yeah, a technical partner. And then if you're talking about outside industry, you're talking about the guy who runs around the block. Yeah. With his whoop on, yeah, yeah. at 170 beats a minute. Yeah. Well, hang on a second. He's only 140. Yeah. This ain't. This doesn't seem very hard. No, absolutely. So there's still a long way to go. Yeah. But I'd like to think that the commercial side is layered on top of a good raw track. Yeah. Of 
a schedule that works for the riders because we've had some problems with the schedule right. you know, a lot of changing stuff about and a yeah, lot and that's of, when you're putting multi-discipline you know I mean? events on it, it's yeah. something has to give somewhere yeah. and you've got to get once that core's right yeah. then I think it's really easy to layer on you know what we're going to change that tough block for one that's got Oakley on it or Budweiser sure. or Ford or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no problem yeah. we're all used to it you're just yeah. changing one thing for another yeah. but if you were to start throwing these things in the track and I was climbing over the back of a whoop banner to get to a section of the track. And I'm like, this isn't the wrong place, but it's the right place for camera. Sure. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know. definitely. Uh, would you, we mentioned it before we came on air, but would you ever consider uh, moving into a management role or an agent role? Because you must be at the beating heart of some of these athletes. They trust you, they, they engage with you. Is that something that appeals? Sponsorship, marketing, team management? like expanding your role or are you just always going to be Alan the trainer it's a a good question I've over the past few years I've had way more conversations with riders about their contracts Mm -hmm. should we say because that affects their mindset during training yeah and we'll discuss some riders are way more open I don't ever bring it's none of my business no sure but I'll there's four riders that obviously I won't name who've come to me. What do you think about this deal? What do you yeah. think about that? I'm thinking about going this way or that way. What would you do? Yeah. And because of that, I feel as though I've got more of an idea mm-hmm. on what's reasonable, mm-hmm. what's what they should be worth, what they should be asking for. Well, you've got your spectrum now. Exactly. Clearly deals go from this number to yeah. this number. And, and being around how do people it, fit in this? I've yeah. seen how it's changed. And I remember the times where some riders were getting employed because they're Instagram following yeah. which almost sounds outdated now doesn't it it's fascinating it's you know he's growing. a racer that he's got 60k that guy's got 20k we'll go with the 60k guy yeah and or we're going to pay him more because of the following the phrase and, I'm going to start and this is my before anyone goes and steals this my phrase but racers are the influencers this is the that's thing. the phrase that's your starting point so what are you being employed for now don't get me wrong if you've been Employed to be an influencer, then your 60K matters. Great, that's good. Perfect. We'll pay you for your videos. We'll pay for that. Yeah. Racing is incidental. Yeah, yeah. I get that. But if you're paying someone for performance, then you're going to want to support their performance. Yeah. So from that point of view, I've been very interested in it. I, um, the, the reason I get out of bed every morning is to help these guys perform on the track. Yeah. Now, if I can help them in other ways, I will. I don't think I could see myself in a team manager role because ultimately the where the team manager makes the biggest difference is booking the right accommodation booking yeah. the right flights booking the right track we get that absolutely yeah, when yeah. they're at the race their job is pretty cool yeah but all the stuff that goes around that is hard work and fair play to those boys and girls that yeah. do that job that's really hard job and tom lloyd does an incredible job at the aftons of yeah. getting that stuff pieced in and right and I couldn't see myself wanting that job. That's it. I guess my question is, would you ever see yourself tail- like like cutting back on the training to do to move on into a different yeah, different I th- avenues? But I think performance would, director performance would have to give. Yeah, I think performance director is a role that you see in road cycling teams. Yeah. And is something that isn't really in downhill, mm-hmm. but is someone to come in, yeah. overview what the coaches are delivering to their athletes, sure. overview the programme run training the travel, camps the food run, the like stuff. look over yeah. it and sort of be there just from a performance standpoint i would love to be a pd that's the role, that's the yeah, role. Yeah. and i've seen that role come up in different sports i was interested by that role in another sport mm-hmm. 
And I won't name the sport no, because sure. it's a small world. Yeah, yeah. But a few years ago, that job came up. And right. I was like, you know what? I like this. Okay. I applied for the job. Okay. They said, we need you to come in for interview on this date. Okay. I got straight back in touch with them. I said, I'm so sorry. I've got an international athlete who's flying in yeah. for training on that day. Yeah. I can make myself available before or after training. Yeah. I can come on another day. Yeah. I can do it over the phone, whatever you like. And their reply to me was, if you haven't got the commitment for this job wow. on this day, <laughs> you're not Sounds like you're both doing yourself a favor there. And I was like, hang on. You take a step back and you're like, hang on a second. If I'd have sacked off my rider yeah, yeah. to do this, yeah. what commitment am I showing? I'm showing zero commitment. Zero. You're literally enticing someone with zero commitment. It's pretty funny. And as Not soon as I got that Not email, them, I thought, yeah. I don't want anything to do with this organization. No, no, dodged a bullet here. Whoa, I've dodged a bullet. They actually showed the cards and I don't like them. Yeah. End of. When surely, if someone had said that to me, I thought, wow, he's got an international athlete coming in. Yeah. He's foregoing a potential opportunity to maintain a commitment with the athlete how can we work with this guy well you're shortlisted they've seen your cv they've seen your application they've done they've done their due diligence i'm sure you fit the role and they can't move astonished and you're like that's that's fine by me that's fantastic and i also don't think that i'd be a very good cog if there were too many cogs in the system okay I'm not great at working for too many other people because yeah. I, I've done quite a lot of work at the University of Birmingham and I've been involved as a consultant there for performance development. Yeah. And it sort of turns into a political thing. And I'm too straight talking. I'm too to the point. I, I'm not great at buttering stuff up. Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky because the guys I work with, I don't need to do that because yeah. we're all there to just win. Yeah, we definitely. just do the job. Yeah. And we can cut through that. But when you're working with someone who's on a salary that's really low, they couldn't care. They're going home at four o'clock or three o'clock if they can. I'd struggle to work with those cogs in the system. And ultimately, to make a really effective system, you have to work with, you know, the very top and the guys lower down and the people in the middle to be effective. And I I, I don't think that's where my strength is, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. Uh, right, we've got a few fan questions. Uh, I've asked a few uh, people and, and we've put this out there a little bit. So a few questions have come in. Um, a couple of these from, uh, from uh, uh, some people you'll know. I'll mention yeah. in a little while. Um, first question, uh, what's your favourite country to visit uh, for riding and not riding? Uh, grief, that's a good question. Probably <laughs> France. Okay. Because it's got everything. Yeah. It's got everything I want and it's quite easy to get to. Yeah. yeah. I do so much traveling. Yeah. The thought of multiple flights and getting a long way. Yeah. Take me to the Alps. I'm happy. What three items would you take with you on a desert island? Three items to take with me on a desert island. I would take uh, carpentry tools, a toolbox of carpentry tools in it. <laughs> Because I'm a frustrated carpenter. We're going to get a sensible answer. Yeah. Right? Sense it come in, yeah. Um, I would take... Oh, grief. Basically, tools and shelter, and I'll be a happy man. Okay. I'll be absolutely keep happy. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, keep Love it simple. It. Uh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Maybe that performance director role. Okay. If the sport... Yeah, hopefully doing what I'm doing. I, I can't see okay, myself... Okay, so let's push you on a bit more. Yeah. Then. Where do you see yourself in 20 years? So in 20 what do you years, do beyond this? What's what's the retirement plan? What do you, how do you see yourself winding down this and doing something different? I think I will move from 
doing this to supporting my children in whatever they do. Perfect. That's yeah. done. Love it. Um, which win are you most proud of? God, that's a good one. On reflect- and this is, this yeah. is no offence to any of the athletes no. you show. This is, okay. this is me putting them on the spot and just like, you know, there are some iconic moments Well, you'll understand there. why I'm giving this answer. And this is only on reflection. Just to preface this answer, on that day, I wanted to be nowhere near that situation. It okay. was incredibly stressful. I wasn't having a good time. My mates were all riding and messaging me. And all I wanted to do is be riding my mates. Okay. However, Hafiel 2014. Okay. I won the men's elite title with G yeah. and the women's elite title with Manon. Different teams, different sexes. Decent day. One and one. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to say that's a career highlight, wouldn't you? Fantastic. Love it. Um, what's your favourite gym exercise? Squats. Okay. I squat every day. Do you? Absolutely love it. I was squatting this morning before I came down. <laughs> I think it keeps you healthy. If, it, if I can squat into my 60s, then everything else would be all right. Yeah. I'll be able to pick my kids up. I'll be able to pick the washing up off the floor yeah everything will be alright do you think there'll ever be a day when someone creates an Alden Baker style facility yeah absolutely yeah 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 I th- there's um, Alden I'm- Baker I should mention this is uh, uh, a South African guy who has the motocross facility in Florida that Red Bull KTM and uh, other athletes use and it's basically their in-house they live there essentially, don't they? And it's just yeah. there every day. And it's, this, it's is going all, to, this is going to work. It's all there. I, yeah. I think that I can imagine that Dovey will grow. That's what I was wondering. Into that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I've had conversations. Funnily enough, I sent Afi a message yesterday about some ideas I had on some track stuff. Okay. Because I was seeing it at World Cups and I'm not seeing it anywhere else. Okay. I'm like, look, this is a challenge. What about this? I'd love to have a gym set up. I think you could have a hub. Like yeah, that. I think Duffy is, is definitely the one that's yeah. possibly bubbling. Yeah. I mean, it makes complete sense it with does. who's there. But I do. I am surprised that there isn't an Alpine one at the minute. Yes. Because why not? Yeah. Because why has Leger not got a, yeah. a, a hub? And even hub. if you think about the level of uh, skiing, Alpine yeah. skiing, yeah. there's so much crossover. Yeah. And there isn't Alpine skiing facilities like that either yeah. in, in these resorts. There yeah, are yeah. hubs for them yeah. and Olympic centres. But... That was a really interesting mine and and like obviously with this Milway performance products and making equipment, that's an interest of mine because I travel all over in different gyms. Yeah. I'm like, you know what, we can do this better. Yes. Yeah, I want to yeah. do this right. I'm okay. always about doing stuff right. So yeah, yeah. I'd love to have something that I could put my name on and and you know love it. Work out. What's your biggest regret in mountain biking? I honestly don't think I've I don't think I can regret anything because Perfect. of where it's led me. Yeah. There are times that I wish didn't happen. Sure. But if it got me to this point, something then must it really be. was meant yeah, to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. Uh, genuine advice to someone who wants to be a pro, I'm going to add, you can't say have fun. <laughs> if you want to be a pro, you actually need to appreciate that it's there's lots of different areas to making you a professional absolutely not all of them are fun no and not all of them people care about on the internet mm-hmm. so it is about having a process in place it's being accountable mm-hmm. and it's being very honest with yourself yeah i think one of the most difficult things if you're a professional is to put yourself in an uncomfortable position regularly yeah and a lot of people will avoid those for slightly easier situations yeah but 
when it comes to a race, if you've been through those uncomfortable situations, you're very much prepared. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. I think you need to have, and you need to be realistic. Yeah. I think that some people can get carried away and not... With a dream. With a dream. Yeah. 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 And finally, the best advice for someone wanting to train better. What would you do to... One exercise, something. If, If someone wants to train better, I would boil it down to two things. One is learn to move better. And by that, I mean improve your mobility. Mm -hmm. So if you can't um, hinge at the hips or squat or press overhead without lifting your chest up because you're so tight in the shoulders, basic movement patterns. And the way I would do that is I would do a 10-minute yoga video on YouTube every day. Okay, so that's super easy. Everyone can do that. Everyone can do that. Great. And then secondly, I would lift more weight than you're currently doing. Mm -hmm. There's a load of this sexy stuff that people put all over the internet. And it's just a little bit, not one thing nor the other. Yeah, yeah. And I genuinely think that if people put a little bit more weight on yeah. every week, yeah. you will get stronger. Yeah, yeah, it is course. as basic as that. Yeah, yeah. And most people don't want to do that. It's not rocket science, is it? They want to do the sexy <laughs> exercise. They want to do the unstable exercise. When actually, if you were to go and look at any successful athlete in any sport, they do very little of that. Yeah. They gradually progress their strength yeah. over time doing the same exercises. Yeah. And they have a high threshold for boredom. That's something that successful people it's, have. Um, it's fascinating. I worked with uh, Grant White, who I'm hoping to get yeah. on here as well yeah. um, soon. Um, he was the, the, the director of uh, BMX yeah. up at British Cycling for GB Team. And uh, I worked with him for a couple of years, um, 2014 to 17, I think it would be, give or take. Uh, just some, you know, obviously he was with a team, but I was, I was just getting some plans from him, some help and whatever. Yeah. And it blew my mind how simple the gym exercises were. There were like four things every day. Bang, bang, bang. And that's the thing. Bang, bang, bang. Trying to understand to people that it is okay to push, pull, squat, hinge and have something to maintain anti-rotational rotation in the trunk. That is all it is. And the problem is that that doesn't get clicks. And we are getting to this tail wagging the dog situation where someone has to come up with something new all the time. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's a sharp end of the downhill season. Uh, two rounds to go. Can we get your World Cup overall predictions for men and women, please? Uh, let's just make it simple. Just go for the, the overall winner. I think uh, Valley should win the women's yeah. based on form, based on how she's going. She has some crashes Uh during racing, unfortunately. Yeah. But I would say she's odds on. Yeah. The men's, I think, is uh, much more finely balanced. Absolutely. It's wide open. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, Finn, Jackson, Loic are all sort of in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see Loic win it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'd be the guy I'd like to see win it. But then on the same token, for a junior World Cup winner to come and win the senior World Cup title in his first year, as Jackson could do. That's the Jet Lawrence story, isn't it? There you go. You know, it does, news yeah. does travel far when these kind of things happen. Final so. race in Canada, Canadian. Yeah. That that would be the fairy tale, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, all I like to see is a fair fight. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and God, that's yeah. really yeah, what yeah, I yeah. like. If they all stay healthy. No mechanicals, no injuries. Exactly. Just yeah. race yeah. A to B. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, on to our final question for you. Um, and again, I'll probably give you a bit of prep for this one, but... Do you have a question you've always wanted to be asked? Have you got something about your your uh, your job, your coaching, 
your athletes, anything that you do these interviews all the time, but is there something no one's ever asked you and you're like, oh, I wish someone had ever asked that about? Oh, great. You have to put me on the spot. <laughs> um, no, I think that the interesting thing for me is if I flip it on its head, a lot of people see like the results or this year or today or where I've got to now if you think I've got anywhere, you know, that I'm, this is what I do for my job. And I think people assume that because I've been around, it's been easy or it's like, you know, it's just one of them things. And maybe you don't see that you, you, there's a lot of meanders. There's a lot of sidesteps. There's a lot of just trying to get better at what you do. And I think you have asked that today. And I maybe talking about how it all started, helps me reflect on that mm -hmm. because it's if you think about it if your first ever ever exposure to a mountain bike race is your dad sitting in the car reading the paper there's yeah, yeah. not really much to say you're going to get to wasn't, this point it wasn't inspiring you know what start, I mean? it's not yeah, inspiring yeah. No, no, start. No, no. so i think from that point of view that makes me think that if you want to do something and you genuinely want to do it it ain't going to happen overnight no but there is a route there and you can find that route yeah yeah certainly yeah i i i something that i thought would be you'd be thinking as well would be um you know people always tell the, the story of like oh my god this athlete has come back from this crazy situation can't believe it and they've won and the adulation and all the stuff that goes on there yeah. and it's like yeah they did put a lot of work in but you wouldn't believe the work behind the yeah. scenes that went on there, like, there the is absolute, a yeah exactly that yeah, there, a lot of that stuff. If you think about, um, I'd say one of the most rewarding things, and it, I guess it comes, it's sort of come full circle when you think about G falling off that cliff, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. seeing how deep he went physically, you know, at death's door, yeah. mentally in a dark place, and that process of coming back from that to then seeing him Andorra, and I was so excited. I, I said to him, I said, I'm so so happy to see you here riding with. He was with Ronan and Andy and Charlie and they were all doing this freight train and you just see like he's he's back. And that's a very rewarding thing because there's a lot of effort that goes into that. You yeah. Know? I've said that was my final question, but I've got to keep yeah, it yeah, because yeah. this is good. But um, with G, do you think that was some closure? He had to sit on a start gate again after what he went through. Like his draw was back to racing and he was like, okay, yeah. I'm on death's door, which I think was quite literally yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Did he just have a, an itch he needed to just scratch this and be like, okay, I'm, I'm on a stage, I'm in, in between the tape, tick. I'm, 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 this is me complete and back again almost. I think it's from... Regardless a, of yeah, result. Yeah, for him, it was a... Am I physically capable of doing this? Yeah. Because what happened, and um, I don't want to divulge his medical history. No, but I don't want you to either. At Rampage... We all saw the videos, we all know yeah, how bad so this at was. At Hardline, last... Not this year, just done, but the year before. Yeah. He basically rode hardline with a very broken leg. Right. And that had been, there's various reasons why that was the case, but it, it wasn't, and we didn't know that at the time. Let's okay. be clear. Right. But when you actually understand how hard he pushed himself just to be able to, I think, and this is my opinion, not his, he was like, look, I've got to be here for this race. This is my baby. I want to do it. I want to lead the crew. I want to be here to do this event. When you sort of, I think when he got over that mentally, he must have been like, I can't do this. Yeah, sure. But then to get back to a place 
where he physically can. Absolutely. And he could see my legs got strength and I've got muscle bulk and I'm healthy and I'm not in pain yeah, yeah. daily. Yeah. I think that was a real um, real satisfaction. Just he did just exactly that. It oh here we yeah. go. I'm back now. Yeah, I'm healthy. Yeah. And I think health And he can he can then move on and live. Exactly. But that's health. And I think this is where you need to understand the definition of health and fitness and performance. They're different yes. things. Oh, you know you can be fit and not healthy yeah yeah. you can have really high performance and not be healthy yeah yeah. and for him i think he's got to a place where he's healthy i think g's like mental health had to go through that that journey to andorra as well just to just to scratch the itch yeah and when you see other riders that you know when you've got high performing athletes that aren't for whatever reason like if we look at danny he could have won in Ludenville. He could have been on the podium. He crashed. Right. He qualified so highly at Andorra, got caught in the rain. No yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah. You know, these sorts of things. The factors. From right. a, a mental health point of view, yeah, yeah. you're like, look, I can do this, but you feel, ba- you know, you're getting bashed down again. Well, you're bound, aren't you? Yeah, you're, just, you're like, you're oh, here we go. So yeah. all of that, I, I hope that all the people I work with, and for any athlete, health is at the center of it you feel okay about yourself you you can look yourself in the mirror and be happy with what you're doing because that is a surprisingly big step well the good news for our listeners and uh maybe not for you when they come back and answer some of these but uh i've spoken to g already g's gonna come on the podcast uh after rampage Uh, i want rachel i want dan i want danny yeah Uh, i spoke to greg earlier in the year as well so we're gonna get these guys on and uh, see what they think about you yeah i think that's (laughs) we've got we've got to get the balance here um final thing uh this has been absolutely fascinating if people want to know more where do they find you what's your social what's your websites and and whatever and and where can they find out more about alan milway i think um the easiest in this day and age is on instagram alan milway on instagram um, I've got a website millway.co.uk and that's a bit more of a just sort of what I do I try to up, update the Instagram almost like a CV so mm-hmm. you can see what I'm doing yeah, yeah. you see the sort of job I do nice. and um, if anyone's got any questions or interest from that I try and answer all my messages so good yeah, stuff. I'm happy to give you an answer no worries good stuff uh, just apologies for the sound quality because it's absolutely chucking it down rain outside so you might have in the last 10 minutes had a bit of a rain noise in the background but other than that this has been fascinating. Thank you, mate. Thank you for your time. I appreciate um, it. I, I feel like there's there's, there's more here. I, I think we'll be uh, revisiting this again at some point and uh, going over some more questions. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you at the next episode. Cheers. Yeah, all the best. Thank you, mate. Cheers, man.